Welcome back, everyone, to the Damage Counter Podcast, your bi-weekly stop for all things Pokemon trading card game. You got Phelan over here. You got Josh over here. And uh, we're back bringing y'all another episode. Happy to be bringing y'all another episode. Finally in the post-rotation format. Uh, lots of exciting stuff to talk about there. Of course, we just had the European International Championships. We'll kind of break down what happened at that tournament. Uh, some pretty, Some pretty interesting decks to talk about for sure. Uh, as well as some other stories in our news roundup. A little bit of a light news week this go-around, but still some very interesting stories to talk about nonetheless. Of course, we have a great card of the day lined up for you in our card of the day segment. Another viewer-submitted deck list for the 60-card showcase. And at the top of the show, for our main discussion, we'll be talking about the translations from Japan's Clayburst and Snowhazard set that just released. We're going to be talking about those cards, talking about our thoughts how we think they're going to affect the meta, all that fun stuff. But before we get into all that, Josh, my friend, how you doing, man? Uh, I've been doing pretty good. Uh, I'm pretty sure I talked about it on the episode last week, but, uh, you know, I've been going through the process of Max explaining the Gardevoir deck, so just uh, dropped more money on that, bought a decent more chunk of the cards, got all the balls and the... Pretty much all the trainer cards out of the way. I've only got a couple left, plus the energies, which uh, that's going to be probably the real like pocket breaker. I'm not <laughs> yeah, going to lie. Double the cost. <laughs> yeah, I haven't looked at the price yet, just because I don't want to know. But yeah, but I'm really looking forward to getting that done and having uh, that net deck at max rarity because it's just going to uh, give me little happy tingly feelings every time I use it. <laughs> Every time I pull a uh, pull a card when it's my turn to draw, and I'm like, ooh! You're just like, ah, oh, yeah, that's the stuff. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, you know, besides that, doing pretty good. Been practicing with guard, actually playing Gardevoir quite a fair bit. Uh, nice. Been liking it a lot. You know, and uh, that's about it for me. What about you? Uh, lots of stuff in the Pokemon TCG space. Uh, I will say, if you're going to max rarity any deck, just first and foremost, like, Gardevoir's a good one. Yeah. That deck's going to be definitely pretty good for a while. That's, uh, that's how I felt. So, I felt like it was a good option to choose to do. Yeah, absolutely. But on my side of things, like I said, man, it's been a lot, um... You know, I, I mentioned it on previous episodes. I did recently move, got my game room set up. You know, I've got a, I've got my video games all on a shelf. I've got, like, a table in the corner just to keep all my cards uh, so I can, like, inventory them and stuff like that. I uh, just recently started selling on TCG Player. So if you happen to see Max Harmony cards on uh, TCG Player, that's your boy. Hit me up. I'll take good care of you. Um, but, you know, I've, I've been playing the game for a long time, getting a lot of packs from, like, winning locals and stuff like that, and a lot of the cards are just like, okay, that's neat, and I put it in a binder and never look at it again, so I was kind of looking at it, I was like, well, why don't I just, like, you know, take these cards, sell them on TCG Player, let other people have them that are going to use them or going to collect them or whatever, and I'll use that money to fund more retro decks, and so that's kind of what I've been doing. Um, and I haven't really talked about my retro decks a lot on previous episodes. I keep meaning to, but like, I just keep forgetting, uh, you know, in the past several months I've built like Sylveon Control from Sun and Moon, Weezing Spread, Blacephalon, Naganadel, all of those from Sun and Moon. Um, I got started on Sword and Shield retro decks already with Eveltal Control. So I've just been powering away at control, uh, well, yeah, I mean quite a few control decks, I guess, in retro, but I've been powering away at retro decks, uh, and you know, I've, I've basically got like this whole thing like laid out on how I want to approach it. So 
mm-hmm. uh, hoping that this extra money coming in from TCG Player will uh, kind of help me accelerate that process a little bit because. I'll tell you what, man. I've had the hardest time trying to figure out what I want to play in standard form. <laughs> <laughs> I knew coming into the format that like I wanted to play Arceus. Just I, I think Arceus is a lot better this format than it was in the Silver Tempest format, and I just like mm-hmm. Arceus. Um, and so I've played like every Arceus variant under the sun: Arceus Giratina, Arceus Curlia, or Arceus Gallade, actually technically as it is. Uh, Arceus Armor Rouge. I even tried Lost Zone Arceus, if you could believe it. Uh, <laughs> which is surprisingly a lot better than it sounds, I'll be honest. But, uh, you know, I eventually realized that, like, okay, nobody's playing Giratina for some reason, which in my mind is still still the best deck in format, if you ask me personally. I know that's apparently a hot take now, but to me, it's still the best deck in format. But I saw, okay, well, nobody's playing it. And in my tier list video that I posted on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash damage counter podcast, by the way, go check out that video. In the tier list video I posted on that channel, I said, Sylveon VMAX is really good. It could, in theory, if built properly, beat every deck in the format except for Giratina. And I said, for that reason, you shouldn't play it because Giratina is BDIF. A lot of people are going to play it, blah, blah, blah. That ended up not being the case. People don't think Giratina's BDIF, which means people aren't going to play it. It's in a dodgeable spot right now. So I put my money where my mouth was. I said, okay, oh, fine, I'll just play Sylveon. I entered an online tournament. Uh, tournament of Doom goes to Europe. It was like 155 players. Ended up getting fifth place out of 155 with Sylveon Arceus. So felt pretty good. <laughs> my only... <laughs> My only losses were to to Lawson Gudra, and that was like the only Swiss round that I lost. It was like eight rounds of Swiss, I think. So I went like uh, no, I went like six six one one, I think. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I ID the last round, uh, and then I lost to Giratina on top eight. So pretty good run. Uh, I put Sylveon out there. Uh, a lot of people were surprised by the deck list and were hyping it up to say the least. So that was pretty cool. And it was just one of those things where I was like, okay, well, I just did something pretty incredible with Sylveon Arceus. So I'm going to keep doing it. So I'm only going to one regional in this format. That's going to be Milwaukee regional. So if you're going to Milwaukee, mm-hmm. hit your boy up. And I'm just like, you know what? Whatever. I'll just play Sylveon. So I, I think if anybody's going to do it, it's probably me, right? So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, most definitely. <laughs> like. I've just put an absurd amount of time into this deck. But, like, I also feel like the current standard format is going to really reward a player that, like, gets experienced with the deck list, right? I don't Mm -hmm. think... Because you couldn't really do that in Crown Zenith. Because it's like, no matter how experienced you get with a deck, you just get blizzy-bopped by Lugia. And, you know, what are you going to do about it? So that format, I think, more so favored meta predictions and meta calls rather than, you know, trying to master one deck. I'm sure some... Some people would argue with me on that. You know, I'd listen to them, but uh, I feel like the post-rotation format definitely allows players to just lean on one deck, adjust that deck to the metagame, and then, like, allow them to succeed. So, with that in mind, in theory, you know, playing (laughs) Sylveon should actually give me my best chance for this format. So, we're going to try it out. We'll see what happens. Um, But yeah, that's... uh, that's been my past few weeks very busy for me, but 
Let's go ahead and jump into the podcast proper. We have a very fun card of the day. Our first Pokemon from Generation 9 and our first Pokemon thusly from Scarlet and Violet. So let's talk about it. All right, everyone, I am very excited to bring y'all today's card of the day. Like I said, it's our first card from Scarlet and Violet and our first Generation 9 Pokemon. If you've been listening to these past few episodes or my, uh, you know, brief guest appearance on All In and Nintendo Podcast, go check them out and that episode. Y'all probably know that Armourouge is my favorite Pokemon from Generation 9. Our, my favorite Paldean Pokemon. Absolutely love Armourouge. Uh, it's... <laughs> Armor is just kind of like a Mega Man reference, and I love Mega Man, so. <laughs> I absolutely love this card. And like that Illustrator Rare, which is kind of what we're specifically talking about today. Uh, the Illustrator Rare with him, like, walking out of the building. You know, it just rained. This rain puddles. You could see rain droplets as the rain begins to finish. You see the reflection of the sky in the puddles, and it's just, like, mm-hmm. the brilliant lighting. It's, ah, it's so good. I love this card so much. Yeah, definitely. It's a very beautiful card. And on this very beautiful card, it's Armourouge, stage one fire-type Pokemon with 130 HP, has the ability Fire Off. As often as you like during your turn, you may move a Fire Energy from one of your bench Pokemon to your active Pokemon, and the attack Flame Cannon for two Fire Energy and a Colorless. Deals 90 damage, and your opponent's active Pokemon is now burned. You're not really playing it for the attack. It's more so for its ability. Long, long, long-time listeners of the podcast, I'm talking like episode one long-time listeners, Know that I love energy transfer mechanics. Any ability that lets me move energy around the field, I love. I'm just absolutely here for that. It's not as flexible as, say, like Bronzong's Metal Transfer from Battle Styles, where you can move the energy wherever you want. Instead, it's only from the bench to the active. But abilities like this are still good. They've seen play in the past, uh, most notably with a Quagsire from the Sun and Moon era that basically had the same ability, but with water-type energy. Mm-hmm. You know... Basically, any kind of energy movement can be good in the Pokemon trading card game. And we've already seen Armourouge in some niche deck lists in Japan. There's like fire-type toolboxes that work with Magma Basin and Radiant Charizard and Entei that use the Armourouge to move energy where they need it. There's, you know, like Arcanine EX decks that basically do the same thing. It's even been paired with Arceus, so you can take an Arceus from zero energy to three in a single go. You know, just attach a double turbo, magma base it onto Armor Rouge, and then fire off that energy towards Arceus. So you can get just up and going, even if you whiff turn one energy, which is really strong. So uh, it's it's definitely already seen some niche play. And when and if fire types get more support in future sets, maybe? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Armor Rouge is definitely going to see a lot of play, for sure. Oh yeah, definitely. I have to agree. But that is going to be Armourouge in our Card of the Day segment. Let us know what you think. Hit us up on Twitter, Damage Counter Podcast. I have to... Fuck, I fucked all that shit up. No. That's not what the Twitter is. I was writing and I... Anyway. Let us know what you think of Armourouge. Hit us up on Twitter at Damage Counter, Damage Counter Podcast at gmail.com if you prefer email. Hit us up, let us know. And you can also join us on our community Discord. Links to that are in the episode description. We love to keep the conversation going with everybody in the Discord. Always talking, always in there talking about shiny cardboard and 
things of that nature. So come on in, check it out. Absolutely free. Again, the links to that are in the episode description. Yeah. And uh, as always, don't forget, if you have a Pokemon car that you would like for us to go over here on the podcast, feel free to send it our way. Uh, we'll be happy to talk about it. The only rule is it has to be an official Pokemon card. But besides that, uh, send us your favorite card. We'd love to talk about it. Yeah, we'd love to talk about your favorite Pokemon cards as well as ours. But we'd also like to talk about the news that's happened these uh, past few weeks. And like I said, has been kind of a lighter news week uh, for us. Not too much to talk about, but there is uh, some interesting stories that we'll get into. So let's do just that. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So let's start with... Let's just get right into it with the news segment here. Uh, again, a bit of a lighter week, so not too much to talk about. But there were some interesting uh, scheduling things going on with the Japanese sets that I felt was worth mentioning. We won't talk too long about this. as At this point, we're talking about cards that are just so far off that it doesn't matter anymore. But uh, we do have confirmation that Japan's Raging Surf set is going to feature Goldango EX. Now, if you're not familiar with Goldango EX... It's a rad surfer dude. Very peculiar Pokemon. I won't say any more than that. Uh, (laughs) Maybe just go check him out yourself if you haven't seen him already. Uh, Very, very goofy Pokemon, but I love him. And the fact that uh, he is the feature Pokemon on a set called Raging Surf. I don't know. That's just very funny to me. (laughs) It's not even a water type Pokemon. (laughs) Very peculiar Pokemon. It's also going to be featuring Garchomp EX, which is really cool too. I know there are a lot of Garchomp fans out there. Uh, but the other interesting thing about this set is that we were convinced that this was actually going to be a mini set released in Japan during May, but it has been confirmed that this set won't actually be releasing until September. So essentially what Japan's release schedule looks like now is we just got Snowhazard and Clayburst here in April. Mm-hmm. Japan's next set that we're aware of is Pokemon Card 151, which, if you're not familiar, is a kind of a celebration set talking or that that's focused more on the original 151 Pokemon. That is set to come out in Japan in June. And then we get uh, Ruler of the Black Flame in July, and then Raging Surf in September. So that kind of leaves May with nothing, which is like really weird because typically Japan has a set. Basically every month, right? You get a main set, then a mini set, then a main set, then a mini set. And they generally get sets, you know, every month throughout the year, generally speaking. Uh, And I think for the first time in a very long while, this is just the longest gap between, like, Japanese releases, which is very weird, right? Because we were actually expecting uh, Raging Surf, like, reveals to happen this week. And then they're like, nope, it's launching in September. We're like, oh. We had that all kinds of wrong, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. It is a little weird. Yeah, um, we're not really sure as to why there's a gap in the schedule all of a sudden. Um, Nothing's really come out about that. We're not sure if it has something to do with suppliers or wanting to change up the release schedule or, you know, maybe there's some kind of shakeup coming up. I'm not really sure, to be honest, and we probably won't know if, if I'm being honest with you, but... You know, it is what it is. I figured it was worth bringing up at least just a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, talk about Japan's long-range calendar. Again, we're talking about cards that we're not going to see for a very long time at this point. So, 
probably that that's all we can really say for now. That's probably all we're going to say for a little while. So. <laughs> but speaking of cards that we can talk about, that we do know about, uh, Josh, have you seen this story about the factory theft going around on Twitter lately? Oh, yeah, definitely. I, uh, I started seeing this story a couple days ago. And it's pretty crazy to read. I immediately was like, hold on. Because I saw the table. I saw the picture, obviously, that's circulating around, too, with it. With the table. That's just these giant stacks <laughs> of, like, alt-art rainbow arts and stuff like that. It's crazy. Yeah, just every secret rare you could imagine. Of course, what we're talking about, again, this kind of, like, blew up all over uh, PTCG Twitter and uh, Reddit over this past weekend. Uh, it came to light that there was a massive factory theft uh, of just like all, a whole bunch of Fusion Strike secret rares just stolen right off of the floor. Uh, and a picture of it uh, finally surfaced. Well, I say finally surfaced. We didn't know about it until this picture surfaced this past weekend. Uh, and I'll leave a link to the Poke Beach article in the episode description. You really got to see this for yourself and actually do read the article. It's a very interesting read, actually. You got to see this for yourself. This, I mean, just stacks upon stacks upon stacks. And these are not small stacks either. Like, I, I, you know, I probably would not be able to hold this in one hand type stack. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, it's the same card in those stacks for what it looks like. Yeah, you can kind of tell by looking at because the, the picture's angled. You can see down, like, the sides of the stacks. It's just, like, the same all the way down. We're talking all... Every alternate art, every gold, every rainbow, there's just, like, stacks of them here. As somebody tried to sell all of this at once to a local cave store, first off, bro, come on, are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm, we're not going to sit here and, like, uh, it's just, like, if you're going to do something, like, you shouldn't, but if you're going to do something like this, yeah, come on, this is ridiculous. But anyway... So yeah, they tried to sell all like the several thousand of these secret rares to the local game store. And the local game store is like, nope, there's no way you pulled all of these. These are either fake or stolen. And they called uh, the Pokemon company and they sent someone out to investigate. Now, interesting, interestingly, this investigation started in September. Uh, Fusion Strike released in November. So not only did you have the gall to take every single one of these cards and try to sell them all at once to a local game store, but you also did it before street date. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got nothing, man. I got nothing. So, but shout outs, uh, to this game store, uh, that, uh, notified the Pokemon company trading card world in Texas. Shout outs to them. Cause they could have very easily just taken it, made a ton of money selling them off like very slowly and just like, you know, Made a made a killing off a stolen product. No, instead they reported it. Uh, Pokemon was able to do an investigation, uh, and they did end up catching not only the guy that tried to sell it, but the, you know, go down the chain of all the hands that it had followed through, and eventually find the employee at the printing factory that uh, you know stole the product in the first place. And uh, you know, to date is the largest amount of stolen product that Pokemon has ever recovered. So. You know, applause for that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's it's crazy. Uh, don't uh, if you ever see somebody who thinks doing something fishy like that, uh, just don't buy for them. I will say that. You just don't want to be involved with something like that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Like stuff like this just never ends well for anybody, especially when, you know, the potential fallout means uh, having to deal with either Nintendo or Pokemon's lawyers. <laughs> just you don't. don't. Yeah. They will ruin your life and they will not think twice about it. Just don't. Come on. Just don't do that. Now, with all that said, uh, you know, the, the big the big conversation around this was, oh, well, this is why Fusion Rate or Fusion Strike had terrible pool rates, why nobody could pull secret rares, because because of this. No. Just no. First off, yes, well, there are a ton of cards that got stolen here. This is a mere fraction of what Pokemon prints like daily. Like this is probably less than one percent of what Pokemon prints daily. Maybe one percent, but right? You got to think, like, Pokemon prints an absurd number of cards. There are so many people that buy Pokemon cards, both competitive players, casual collectors, casual Pokemon fans, right? Like, you know, to meet that demand, you have to print an absurd amount of cards, right? Yeah. And when you get into the production process of how, like, packs are actually, like, packaged, you know, the cards come in on these massive sheets, right? And it's just the same card on this massive sheet that gets cut out of the card. It gets put into a box. These boxes get loaded into a machine and the machine automatically, you know, places the cards in the packs to, you know, to be sealed up based on the pool rates that they want or whatever. Right. And you got to think like, there's a ton of those boxes. The, The guy that like lifted these off the floor, there's no way that he took like probably like one or two of these boxes. Right. And we have no idea, like, obviously, I guess, how many of the numbers exactly, but there's, like, no way that just, like, two of these boxes is enough to, like... No, he probably took, like, a single day's worth of printing or something like that, you know? Right, right. right. So it's, like, he's like, okay, well, I'll just take a couple of these boxes, and the guy that's got to load it is like, okay, grab this box, put it up on the machine, and then the machine is still loading the booster packs like normal, right? So... Uh, and there are, like, videos about how Pokemon does... Uh, production for their pokemon cards you can go look that kind of stuff up it'll kind of tell you but uh while it is a funny meme to say that this is why fusion strike had terrible pool rates uh it is not true fusion strike had terrible yeah exactly fusion strike had terrible pool rates because it's a terrible set they had no business making a set with nearly 300 cards and like five pools actually worth anything (laughs) (laughs) yeah had no reason for any of that so uh, again, but I'll leave the the uh, Poke Beach article in the episode description. I highly recommend you give it a read. It's a very interesting read. Uh, kind of gives uh, some further insight on this uh, than we can here, you know, in the essence of time. So definitely go check that out. Uh, but with that being said, that covers us for most of our main news. The only thing we have left to talk about is EUIC. That's right, the oh, European boy. International Championships that happened in London this past weekend. Our first event in the post-rotation format, Battle Styles to Scarlet and Violet, and the largest European international championship to date, at least I think. I haven't fact-checked it, but I'm pretty sure at 1,500 players, probably the largest one we've had to date. Uh, Yeah, I know I saw somewhere online that was saying it was. I also haven't like f- actually fact-checked it, but I think it's pretty hot. Pretty, say, yeah, pr- pretty yeah. sure. Now, as we get into this proper, Josh, were there any decks that stood out to you throughout the tournament? Anything? Because uh, we do have all the day two deck lists, and of course I'll have links to that in the episode description below as well. 
Uh, were there any deck lists that you saw that kind of stood out to you? Um, not insanely in particular besides uh, one or two that uh, I already know that you're going to go over, so I'll leave those to you. Uh, I will say I was really happy to see the turnout with of Hisui and Gudras because uh, I thought that was going to be a really good pick for UIC, and I'm glad to see that I was right. Yeah, that was makes me happy to see uh, see yourself getting correct medicals, you know. Exactly. Yeah, that, that was something that you and I had discussed on a previous episode. We had uh, we definitely identified that Gudra had a pretty good spot in the metagame for EUIC. You know, if Lost Zone Box was going to be popular, if Gardevoir was going to be popular, um, among other decks, uh, Lugia. You know, if those decks were going to be popular, those decks don't like running into Gudra very much. Um, so they can be quite good. I, I guess Gardevoir doesn't hate it as much, but it's not not exactly great most of the time. Yeah, it's uh, still rather annoying, you know. Yeah, because reduce reducing damage by eighty. I mean, that's a lot. Like Lost Zone Box can't deal with it. You can send up a Tyranitar with four single strike energy, and it's still only going to be doing base damage, which is hilarious to me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a little crazy. Yeah, Gudra was definitely a great meta call for this weekend. It was actually the third most represented deck in the Day 2 metagame, which is pretty insane. I think that's probably some of the best numbers Gudra has ever seen since it's been printed in Lost Origin. Uh, really, the only deck that like kind of gives it a problem is like Mew and Giratina. Those are not particularly great matchups, but uh, both of those decks... A lot of people have kind of been feeling a little bit low on Giratina and on Mew for this format. They're just not... Uh, I mean, I, I couldn't tell you why people are sleeping on Giratina. I said earlier in the podcast, I think that's the best deck in format. I don't understand why people are sleeping on that, but uh, Mew, it kind of makes sense. Every deck mm-hmm. and their grandmother is playing Drapion, and half of those decks are playing it with Skysteel Stone, so kind of makes sense that Mew feels pretty bad in this format, especially when you have to compete with the occasional Giratina here and there. So... It makes sense. I think I think Gudra was a pretty good call for this weekend. Yeah. But uh, what about you? What, what caught your eye? Uh, there were a couple very interesting archetypes that uh, snuck into day two. It didn't quite go all the way, but I wanted to highlight them nonetheless because I think they're incredibly interesting and might actually have some potential as we move on in this format. First one I want to talk about, if you look at 121st place, that is Magnus Peterson playing a Rapid Strike Urshifu Empoleon deck and... This is like classic Rapid Strike, where it's just a bunch of Rapid Strike Pokemon. You're like planning your energy attachments around and just like taking taking advantage of all the neat tricks that come with being a Rapid Strike Pokemon. I think it's really cool that it has like three Empoleon V. It leans very heavily on that. Empoleon V with its Emperor's Eyes ability, as long as it's in the active spot, your opponent's non-rule box basic Pokemon have no abilities. So that shuts off Comfe for the Lost Zone matchups, which is really good. Slows them mm-hmm. down. I think I mentioned it in the last cast, or it might have been the tier list video, where I said, hey, you also own players, you maybe don't have to tech for it now, but you come up to double Empoleon and you fold, and you need to be ready for somebody to take advantage of that one of these days. And it looks like Magnus and his group tried to do that here, and uh, you know it seemed to work a little bit. 121st place out of 1,500 is nothing to scoff at. We got the. Not. You got the Empoleon with its Swirling Slice attack, water, and double colorless. Uh, 130 damage, moving energy from this Pokemon to one of your bench Pokemon. So the idea is that you stick the Empoleon, try to slow your opponents down, you know, matchup dependent. And then you use that Swirling Slice to slowly power up 
a different Pokemon that you might need for the matchup, uh, like Rapid Strike Urshifu VMAX. You have the Carnivine in here, the Rapid Strike Carnivine, very funny card. And Duraludon VMAX, which, you know, it's so interesting to me that, like, Rapid Strike Urshifu VMAX and Duraludon VMAX have a surprising amount of synergy. Mm-hmm. It is a little bit when you think about it. Yeah, and it's just, like, using the Empoleon to, like, slowly power them up and, like, create all these weird scenarios for your opponent. It's just, it's a very interesting deck list, right? Because you got, you know, you got Double Drapion, so you can just, you know, hey, I, I got the Mew matchup on lock. We'll just Double Drap and just move on. Duraludon absolutely walls out Lugia players, unless they're playing their own Duraludon. It's the only way they can get past it. Urshifu VMAX, we know, is just a busted card in general. <laughs> yeah. You got the Carnivine in here, which can lock an opponent's Pokemon in the active spot with its big bite attack. 30 damage during your opponent's next turn. Defending Pokemon can't retreat. Really good into Lugia, as you can gust their Luminion and say, okay, big bite, you can't retreat. And the Luminion can't attack because there's no special energy that provides water energy anymore. So the Lugia player just has to sit there and let it happen. Uh, and then you can hit it with a Yoga Loop once you get it damaged enough, and then you can move into the Duraludon. I mean, it's... This deck has a lot of tricks up its sleeves. I mean, it's even running the Rapid Strike Scroll of Swirls, which is a card that I've been trying to make work for forever now. Mm -hmm. I love that card so much. Gives a Rapid <laughs> Strike Pokemon the Matchless Maelstrom attack. Fighting in two colorless, this deck does 30 damage to each of your opponent's Pokemon. Pretty good attack, again, especially against Lost Zone Box. I mean, could you imagine, like, setting up double Empoleon? Mm-hmm. Attaching this to an Empoleon and then just dealing 30 damage across the board. And then you're like, okay, cool. I have Radiant Alakazam and I have Metacham V. If you don't do anything about this, you are going to get Yoga Loop next turn. <laughs> and they can't do anything about it because you hit all their Pokemon and Scoop Up Net's not a thing anymore. So, <laughs> Yeah, you're not wrong. It, it's just insane. So absolutely love that. Uh, really cool deck. I would say keep if you like Rapid Strike, try it out. Because it's actually kind of good. Me and a friend of the show, Jake Riggs, this was like one of the first decks that we tested after the results came out. We're like, yo, this deck is kind of nuts, dude. Like, it's actually kind of bonkers. Mm -hmm. So if you're a fan of Rapid Strike, check it out. Only other things I want to talk about uh, before we uh, move into the top eight prior, or move into the top eight proper, is uh, 106th place, Benjamin Rabiati playing Snorlax Stall. And uh, Sander Wojcik, 31st place, playing what Limitless labels as Control Box. We'll start with the Snorlax stall. Uh, the idea behind the Snorlax stall is to use the Pokemon Go Snorlax with its block ability. As long as this Pokemon is in the active spot, your opponent's active Pokemon cannot retreat. There are quite a few decks in the format that rely on manual retreating right now. Uh, most notably Lugia and uh, Gardevoir, right? They're not really playing switch options because... Well, Lugia just doesn't have the space for it, and Gardevoir can just infinitely throw energy onto a Pokemon to fulfill the retreat cost anyway, so... You know, a lot of decks not playing Switch cards right now, and this Snorlax is here to take advantage of that. Right, so the idea is to just trap something that your opponent can't retreat very easily into the active spot with the Snorlax and say, Okay, this Pokemon is stuck here. Do you have a response? If not, I am going to mill you. I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to wait for you to run out of cards. I have an infinite loop, so I'm not going to run out of cards, but you will. <laughs> but if you have a response to it, you get to play Switch Card, Escape Rope, Switch Card, whatever. You know, then you get out of it, take a knockout on the Snorlax to hope it doesn't happen again. Right? So that's kind of the deal here. Uh, very interesting deck, and I think this was 
kind of the more obvious, I guess, quote unquote, like control type deck to come from, mm-hmm. you know, like it seems a little bit of success in Japan, a little bit of success in online tournaments. I haven't really done anything too crazy, but it does have a niche in this format. And I think it can be pretty strong. I think like with all the mall wild trapping going around now, I think card, I think decks are more likely going to be playing options to get around this just to also get around those other tech cards as well. So uh, keep an eye on it. Uh, it. It could be a pretty good deck, honestly. And then finally, before we round out the top eight, like I said, Sanders gone and done it again, dude. The The fact that Limitless has to call it Control Box <laughs> is very funny to me uh, because you have so many different win conditions in here. You're playing the Mimic UV. You're playing the Ursaluna V of all things. Carbominable V for Mill. Eveltal for Energy Denial. Shadow Rider Calyrex to to basically prevent Mew from attaching special energies. Mawile with its tempting trap attack to lock something in the active spot if they don't have switch cards. Josh, there's just so much stuff going on in this deck. Yeah, it definitely does have a lot going on. Uh, I know when I first clicked on it, because I actually hadn't... I knew he played some crazy control list again. I did not look at it until tonight. When I clicked on this list and saw how many one-ofs were in here, I was kind of like, uh. So many. It's like This is like almost a gym leader challenge deck, almost. Like, it's yeah, absurd it's like, how many one-ofs are in here. It's so crazy. Uh, <laughs> just what... I will always be amazed on what he can pull off. Just always the craziest control lists out of nowhere. Yeah, the the primary strategy here is to essentially create this unwinnable situation for your opponent where you loop Mimic UVs repeatedly, get yourself to a board state where your opponent's depleted on resources that they can't maybe deal with the Mimic U very well. You put the Mimic U into play with its dummy doll ability. It says that it cannot be damaged by attacks and it cannot be affected by effects of attacks on the turn that it comes into play. And that effect lasts until your next turn. Mm-hmm. So the idea is to put the Mimic UV into play, Put it in the active spot and say, okay, can you deal with this? Ideally, if you've, you know, kind of controlled your opponent a little bit, the answer is no. You play Penny, pick it up, bench another one, make the Mimic you active and say, can you deal with this? And, you know, you can kind of get the same effect with the Ursaluna V, very beefy, basic Pokemon V, 230 HP, and an ability that gives it a natural 30 damage reduction, which is insane. And in some cases, the Crabominable V as well, in some cases. Uh, So, yeah, that's essentially your main strategy, is to just loop those over and over again with Penny and tell your opponent, like, did you get a one-shot? No? Okay, cool. Try again. (laughs) And uh, if you can loop that repeatedly, you've basically won, right? So, you got the Crabominable in here for milling, uh, Mawile for trapping, Shadow Rider to just lock Mew from attaching energy. You know, a lot of different of the control stuff, but the Mimikyu and the Ursaluna looping with the Penny, that's your main strategy here. Yeah. Uh, definitely looks like a very interesting control list. I uh, I definitely want to try this out. Yeah, we're going to have to test it if you want to know how to play against it, because listen, all those control players, and I say all those control players, I, to a degree, am a control player. I, I've played quite a bit of control, especially recently. Um, you know, they're just going to copy and paste Sanders deck and they're going to play it and they're, you know, you got to know how to play against it, you know, so try it out for yourself or at least get a friend to try it out for you. That way you can kind of do some testing. Um, one interesting thing I will say about this, and it's so funny to me way back when, like when we were getting our initial reveal, like the initial Japanese reveal of Scarlet Mm -hmm. and Violet, uh, Sander red penny 
and posted about it on Twitter. He said, in theory, if they reprint Palpad, you could do an infinite loop with Mimikyu here. He tweeted that out the day Penny was announced. And sure enough, here he was playing it. So, uh, you know, maybe maybe keep an eye on Sanders' Twitter if you want to know what he's going to play for a format, I guess. <laughs> when you know what he was going to play months later. <laughs> yeah, like months later. But like, e- even with that information, you're like, okay, cool. We can Penny loop Mimikyu. And then you're gonna, you're, you know, you're gonna go look at your cards. And you're gonna be like, how do I do this? <laughs> how do I build this? Oh. It's absolutely hilarious. But okay, let's go ahead and uh, get into the top eight proper. Uh, starting from eighth place, moving our way up. Eighth place, you got Robert Kinbrook. By the way, this top eight is great. There's seven different decks in the top eight, which is pretty sick. Eighth place, you got Robert Kimbrum. Uh, playing Miraidon Regilecki, highest placing Miraidon, only one to make top cut. Seventh place, Eric Rodriguez playing Lugia Archeops. Sixth place, Trevor Reed playing Lugia Archeops. Fifth place, Aiden Coos on that Gudra Lawstone box. Pedro Eugenio Torres uh, rocking the Lawstone toolbox. Pablo Meza, third place with Mew Genesect. Second place, Toward the Lord Reklev, LAIC champion currently. Uh, showing up with Gardevoir, showing everybody that it is a deck that can compete. And then first place, no longer the runner-up, Alex Shamansky, netting his first major win at EUIC against Tord, of all people, in the finals with Arceus Duralda. It's not really Arceus Duralda, it's Arceus Toolbox, but you know, if Limitless says Arceus Duralda on whatever, it's Arceus Toolbox. Anyway, just putting that out there. <laughs> so let's go ahead and start breaking some of these down. Um, I gotta be honest, man. I want to talk about Alex's deck first. Listen, we all know I love Arceus. We all know I hate Arceus Duraludon, but this is Arceus Toolbox, so I'm, I'm happy to talk about this. Okay, let's let's get into it. Let's get into it. So, very interestingly, Alex showed up with an anti-meta deck, which is kind of unheard of, right? Like, typically for the first event of a new format, especially after rotation, rolling up to the first event and playing anti-meta, that's, like, almost unheard of. Mm-hmm. Like, as far as I know, that has never happened in Pokemon. So, first off, that just goes to show you, like, how fast the metagame is moving thanks to, like, online tournaments and, you know, having uh, having access to, to Japan's metagame and stuff like that. I mean, the fact that there was already an anti-meta deck to take to the European International Championships is kind of crazy to me. Mm-hmm. But it is your standard Arceus pile-type deck, you got Duraludon VMAX in here to just absolutely wall out the Lugia players, which, again, like we talked about before, Lugia was the most represented deck in Day 2, second most represented in Day 1. Duraludon was just, like, really flexible for this tournament, right? Because you walled out the Lugia players. Some of them were playing their own Duraludon to get around that, but not very many of them. So you walled out, like, you just set up the Duraludon, you just, like, extend your hand, you're like, GG, I win. You got two Drapion in here to just delete Mew VMAX. You got the Alolan Vulpix V-Star, which with its Snow Mirage attack for water and two colorless does 160 damage and has the effect, this Pokemon cannot be damaged by your opponent's Pokemon that have abilities. And this is really strong into Gardevoir, as basically every attacker in Gardevoir has an ability. (laughs) Yeah, it's very strong. Yeah, and to round things out, you got the Luminian V, the Radiant Gardevoir, you know, help you find your supporters... Reduce some damage a little bit. That way Arceus can kind of tank the lost impact. And again, Duraludon is just like a super beefy Pokemon. Difficult for the Lost Zone box decks to deal with. So 
this just is like the perfect deck for the specific metagame that was happening at EUIC. I mean, absolutely perfect. And again, so many, like, dude, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. And you had the, the four of Lost City as well. That way you had path bumps against Mew, so you could use Drapion. Uh, you start Lost Zoning all of Lost Zone's attackers, which is just surprisingly strong. Like, you're giving them cards in their Lost Zone, but if they don't have the Pokemon to take advantage of it, what good is it, right? Mm-hmm. And that we saw that on full display in the top four match of uh, Alex against Pedro, uh, where he's just like, "Cool, I'm just going to loss on your Sableye, loss on your Charizard, GG." Like you, now you're just not attacking anymore. I mean, yeah, this deck is just perfectly positioned for uh, EUIC's metagame. I mean, shoutouts to Alex and his crew. I mean, they did really good. I mean, Alex won the tournament, uh, and his crew got like top sixty four at the lowest. I think. I mean, they they. Yeah, they came out and they killed it, so absolutely love to see it. Now, I take it you're going to want to talk about towards Gardevoir list. Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, everybody knows Tord's an amazing player, and I was Dude, super was excited to hear he was playing Gardevoir. <laughs> this is almost his fifth win. He got to the finals. He almost got a fifth IC. Yeah. That is so crazy. The uh, he's a very, very good player. I mean, obviously. Uh, it's always cool, you know, to hear towards at a tournament because you're just, he's another one of those players that, like, you're just like, oh boy, what's he about to do? <laughs> you know? Yeah, especially when he rolled up playing Gardevoir, right? Like, I kind of yeah. heard I heard them through the grapevine that that's what he was playing. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. So Torrid, Torrid doing what he does, he just gets the new archetype, says, yeah, this is the most consistent way to play it. And just absolutely destroys the tournament with it. You know, the, mm-hmm. the classic Tord thing. Classic. But anyway, uh, actually covered his list here. So his list, uh, it's a fairly different from what you would call, I guess, the average Gardevoir list running around. Like, he, Tord's kind of given up on the jellies completely, which I, I know people are kind of on a hard line on if you should run jelly or not run jelly with Gardevoir. I'm, I'm personally also on the I don't like jelly that much side. <laughs> yeah, we're jelly haters. Yeah, it is what it is. Uh, I mean, I think one of the biggest picks out here that I saw was uh, I really loved the four professors research. That was one of the first things I really decided I needed in my deck too was professors research. I just, sometimes it can be kind of hard to get cards in Gardevoir. And a lot of the lists, they really don't play a lot of draw power. I uh, I don't know. I feel like draw power is too important to risk not running it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it is kind of interesting, right? Because like the typical like just straight up guardian lists are like, we don't need research. We have trade, but it's like or not trade refinement. You know, you get the curly is into play. You don't need research anymore. But it's like, well, you also kind of need to get into the game, right? So playing yeah. like. You know, it's so funny to see like the standard list playing zero research towards us. Like, well, if you don't get set up, you don't get to you don't get to do refinement. So I'm gonna play for research so I get into the game. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's really nice. It's convenient. You, you like you said, you need ways into the game, or even if you have the Curlia and you're in the game, sometimes refinement's just not enough. And uh, I've won quite a few games from using refinement like into a research into getting the new hand and going off from there. I just I don't know, I like having a good draw card, like, engine option. So, I mean, I do really like that. Uh, 
I love that he had the Lumineon V2, because I actually told Phalid when he sent me towards the list. I was also trying out Lumineon V and Gardevoir. I, I personally really like it in there. Obviously, it's a good option. Yeah, it seemed to work really well for him. Uh, let him kind of... Uh, kind of let him save some space with the supporter count because the only supporter that is a four of is the research, right? Everything yeah. else is a one of. So it's Judge, Roxanne, Worker, Miriam, Boss, Penny, mm-hmm. which shout outs to the Penny, by the way. That's so sick. Mm hmm. Yeah, the Penny. I know. I saw the Penny in there and I was like, <laughs> it's a little cheeky, but I do like it. Yeah, good way to keep yourself from getting uh, locked by Mawile. Uh, you know, yeah. if they gust the Greninja and say, okay, you can't retreat, I win. You know, you can just be like, yeah. nope, uh, here's the penny. Pick it up. Attack, right? So, uh, mm-hmm. pretty, pretty good stuff, all considered. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is just max consistency. I, 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 I'm a big fan. Uh, I think my favorite thing about the list is actually going double-zation. Uh, I was about to bring that up. I think the double-zation was a really interesting choice, uh, going for the the two Roar of the Swords, <laughs> making sure that you have that option up online. I think that's a pretty good move, actually. Yeah, the reason I like it is that, like, you know, the the whole thing about Gardevoir, people's like, oh, well, you gotta get set up, you know, this, that, the other. You know, true, right? But, like, if you get the Zacian down, right, you go attach, you go roar the sword, all you gotta do is attach another energy and you can start attacking, right? So even if you yeah. miss, like, the rare candy and can't get the Gardevoir EX into play, and you have to just commit to getting a whole line of the stage ones, the Curly is into play, well, guess what? You still get to attack because you know, you relied on the Zation. So having that heavier countization allows you to get it into play, allows you to set that up. And it's 220 HP Pokemon V. So against Lost Zone Box, which is, you know, uh, what people consider often to be Gardevoir's worst matchup. Mm-hmm. Well, now you're applying pressure with the Zation. You have this in the active and your opponent goes, okay, well, I will spit innocently. And you're just like, okay, whatever. Like you're not taking a KO. You're not taking a prize card. You're hitting a, you're, you know, you're hitting a V, sure, but like, it's it's whatever, right? You're you're yeah. you're not giving up that early prize card, and even better, you know, if you're able to kind of like suss out if your opponent like doesn't play like uh, like Mawile or anything like that, you know, be like, mm-hmm. okay, cool, you spit into the Zation, cool. I'm gonna pick the Zation back up with Penny, and I'm gonna refinement away all of the psychic energy that I just put into my hand, and then you know, I get attack with another Zation. I could attack with the Gardevoir or the Cresselia or whatever, right? Yeah. So, it's pretty flexible. I, I like it. I, I think it's pretty sick. Yeah, I do too. I like this list a lot. Yeah, definitely super sick and uh, has definitely caught on with the general populace uh, already in the online tournaments following uh, EUIC. Uh, Gardevoir has already seen a massive spike in uh, in usage in online tournaments. So, give it a shot. Good deck. Very good deck. Uh, we got Pablo Meza's Mew list here. He opted to go with the double turbo build. Uh, I think the conversation leading up to EUIC again is Fusion better? Is DTE better? They're both great. Like, they have their merits. Um, you know, just being able to hit as hard as you can with Mew VMAX while going Judge Path is uh, kind of insane. Uh, and Pablo's got a few other cards in here that are pretty interesting. Uh, the Fan of Waves to like get rid of V-Guard energies or uh, Gift energies and like the Lugia matchup. Or maybe to steal a turn against some Arceus decks as well. The Avery, which is actually sick. Avery is like low-key a really strong card in this format. Draw three cards, mm-hmm. and if your opponent has 
more than three bench Pokemon, they discard until they have three. A lot of decks really value their bench Pokemon in this format. So Avery, pretty sneaky card. Um, I think more decks should be running it, honestly, but like it's kind of hard to find the space. So <laughs> being able to cram it in Mew, I mean, whew, dang. Pablo showing that uh, this deck is here to stay. So next up on the list here, we got Pedro with the Lost Zone box deck. Uh, I mean, I think in regards to Lost Zone, this is pretty standard, I'm going to be honest. Yeah, uh, opting to go with the Sable Zard, which I think yeah. is pretty interesting. A lot of people are like really hyping up like the Greninja Gate builds. Uh, but nope, Pedro was like, nope, uh, Zard is actually kind of sick, and... Listen, I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a just, like, give myself another pat on the back here. You know, check out that tier list video. I said, yeah, out of all the Lost Box variants, Sable's art is the best. Ah, uh, look who was right again. Okay, let me stop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it, it, it is fairly standard for Sable's art things. You know, you got the, the Charizard, the Sableye, the Cramorants, and you're just recycling with Clara repeatedly. There's a few neat tech cards in here that I really like. Uh, mm -hmm. I think my favorite of which is the Pidgeot V. Pidgeot V is, like, so sick in, like, every version of Lost Box, if you ask me personally. Because what's mm -hmm. cool is that you can get it out early. You could just leave it there. And if your opponent, like, has to escape rope to get into Cramorant, then mm -hmm. you can just put up the Pidgeot. It'll soak the Cramorant. Or, like, it'll soak, like, the, the hit. Yeah. You switch it back to the bench. You use its Vanishing Wings ability to shuffle it back into the deck. And now, like... Your opponent basically didn't attack that turn, basically. They didn't take any prize <laughs> cards, the damage is gone, you know. So mm -hmm. Pidgeot V is actually really cool for that. It also allows you to just, like, have a target that you could put your Forest Seal Stone onto without having to commit Drapion to the bench just to search mm -hmm. for a card. You can just drop Pidgeot, attach the Forest Seal Stone, search for the card you need, and then put the Pidgeot away. That way you don't have this two-prize liability on the bench. Very cool card, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, aside from that, you know, you've got Mawile, for, again, for Lugia trapping. Uh, very yeah. popular strategy this weekend. The Mill Tank is cool as well for walling in certain matchups, but also serves as a really good Klefki counter. Um, that is the one thing about the Sablezard builds that people were kind of, like, iffy about uh, in comparison to the Greninja Gate builds, is that, like, you didn't really have a great way to pressure Klefki. Because mm -hmm. the Greninja builds can just go, okay, cool, I'm just going to attach energy to Greninja one at a time, and then I'm going to take out, you know, your Klefki. If you have another one, I'm going to hit that one too. Sablezard doesn't really have that, because your Radiant slot is taken by Charizard, so the Miltank mm -hmm. is a great way to do that, as a lot of the Klefki strategies uh, are, like, hit-and-run style, like the Regieleki attacking with Switching Bolt and then switching into a Klefki, or Shadow Rider decks with the Hatterini V that attacks for 80 and switches right so using the mill tank so that way it's like okay well if you're going to do this hit and run thing with Klefki, you're not going to deal any damage and i'm going to slowly take out this or maybe not even slowly depending on your opponent's bench i'm going to start taking out this Klefki that's not really doing anything to me anyway so mm -hmm. pretty smart inclusion there i definitely like that yeah definitely pretty cool stuff um Speaking of Lost Zone, we did also have Gudra in the top cut. Uh, nothing too crazy. This is pretty standard Gudra stuff. Uh, I do like the introduction of Melanie into these Lost Zone Gudra lists to just kind of 
help you get set up a little bit faster, right? Because if you're going first, you can just go attach for turn, pass, and then next turn you go attach Melanie, and then boom, you're off to the races with yeah. Rolling Iron, right? Um, and this is actually <laughs> low-key. I did actually, like, theory... Like, my first theory-crafted Gudra list way back in Lost Origin was like, bro, you just play quad Gudra. Like, you just play Gudra and nothing else, and then you do exactly that. Like, that was always how I intended to play Gudra, but... You know, you got the Lost Zone engine to help you draw some cards. You got the Mirage Gates as well, right? So, another really cool thing about this, though, is that, like, this really helps you be a little bit more efficient with the Mirage Gates. You mm. can power up the first Gudra just by going Attach, Attach, Melanie. And then, you know, you can save your Mirage Gates for follow-up Gudras. Or you can save the Mirage Gate for a Greninja play if you wanted to go that route. But also, it was really cool is that, say there's a path to the peak in play, and you need to power up your Drapion against, like, Mew or something, you don't have to spend two Mirage Gates to do it. You can go attach Melanie Mirage Gate and only use one Mirage Gate to power up the Drapion, which is pretty cool. So, uh, yep. I, I like this evolution of the Gudra list. I, I like it a lot. Definitely. I mean, I think it's pretty cool, too. It's definitely interesting. Uh... Next up on the list, we have uh, Trevor Reed with his Lugia Archaeops. I mean, it's a uh, it's Lugia Archaeops with Thralid on. Yep. You know, yep. I think that's uh, I, this this is Lugia Archaeops. All of these have just been dissected so much, and it, it is what it is. I hate to I hate to be like that. I'm not saying it's bad, but it, it's Lugia Archaeops. <laughs> yeah, it is the single strike Lugia. Um... Yeah, the the lists haven't really evolved or changed much since this archetype started seeing play in Japan. Um, I do find it very interesting, and I, I like this inclusion a lot from Trevor, is going with, like, one-ofs of your attackers and then including this little Thornton package in there, right? So, you know, you could basically Thornton into whatever you need at a given yeah. point, uh, which is actually a great response to, like, Mawile trapping, right? So if your opponent goes, ha, you've benched Luminion, I will boss, I will trap... And I'll just wait for you to deck out. And then you go, cool, uh, Thornton, get rid of the Luminion, replace it with Duraludon, Evolve, or replace it with Tyranitar, or whatever. And then you're just like, yeah. cool, knockout. And then you're just like, whatever. Like, you don't care, right? So, And then, of course, having the Duraludon VMAX for the mirror, super strong. Again, there's literally nothing Lugia can do when faced against a Duraludon VMAX unless they play their own. So, uh, good catch there. And... Uh, it was basically the same thing for Eric Rodriguez. Instead of playing the Thornton package, he just played heavier counts of his attackers. Um, yeah. Not really any wrong way to go about it. I think I'm a big fan of the Thornton package. I actually personally think that Thornton has been Lugia, has been good in Lugia since the beginning, like even back in Silver Tempest, but uh, we just never really got to that kind of level of experimentation, I think. But uh, be that as it may, uh, the final deck we want to talk about... Uh, you know, before we wrap up the news segment here, we got me right on Reggie Lecky. Now, this is a deck that a lot of people in the community were very soft on this deck. They're like, you know, it's fast, it's aggressive, but it's not good, right? Like, it's it's got too many things, you know, it doesn't have an engine, it's weak to path, it's weak to judge, uh, it, you got all these three prizers sitting on the bench, you know, it's just not good. If you whiff your electricity generators, you just kind of lose, like, 
you know, this was a deck that was really hyped up before release. People tested it, and it, you know, it's popular, it's good, but overall, people were just pretty soft on the deck. They're like, there's no way this is, like, actually, like, competitive, right? And then Robert shows up, he's like, yeah, here's a top eight finish with a very, very aggressive version of the build. Very different from what we've seen from, like, mm-hmm. Japan or on the online list. Uh, going, like, super consistent. You know, playing the switch cards to help you in your lost box matchup, the cramomatics to help you find the elect uh, the electricity generators whenever you need them, instead of like going for like the Arvin Forest Seal Stone type package. You still have the Forest Seal Stone in here, of course, but you know, opting for draw supporters and cramomatics instead of you know Arvin to mm-hmm. kind of slow roll those electricity generators out. Um, I think Robert was streamed like three separate times over the course of the tournament, and I, I mean. Even though his stream games didn't go very well, he was running the tables off the stream and mm-hmm. watching the deck function. It was just like, dude, like, what the heck is going on here? This dude is going turbo. <laughs> it's pretty interesting to watch, all things considered. Uh, yeah. I mean, you just come out the gate swinging, you hit those electricity generators, and you're just like, what? Mm-hmm. What, what just happened? <laughs> yeah, it does look pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely insane deck, and I think that's probably uh, probably what's next up on my testing. Uh, I've not uh-huh. played a ton of Regieleki Miraidon, but I, I I think I'd kind of like to try it out now. But that's yeah, gonna I cover. I think it. it's worth trying out. Sorry, no, you're good. But that's gonna do it for our news roundup on this episode. Let us know what you thought of today's news topics. Hit us up on Twitter at Damage Counter, Damage Counter Podcast at Gmail if you prefer email. Or hit us up on our community Discord. We'd love to keep the conversation going with y'all in there. We're always in there talking about shiny cardboard and the things surrounding them. Speaking of shiny cardboard, we have another uh, deck list that was submitted to us for our 60-card showcase. Again, from our friend uh, Mark Zlatic. Uh, he emailed us. He he actually emailed us last week's, uh, or the last episode's 60-card showcase with the Palkia and Dialga Legend Mill uh, and he sent us another uh, peculiar deck list, uh, this time for the expanded format. Uh, this is an interesting one. Let's get into it. All right, so for this week's 60-card showcase... Uh, this is an expanded deck, and I think if you probably take a look at the image, which, by the way, check out the episode description, there's a link to a Google Drive. Inside that Google Drive is a copy of every single deck list we have covered here on the show, including the one we are talking about here today. This is um, a weird deck list. <laughs> uh, now, normally, when we cover decks here on the podcast, we like to play them uh, before we cover them. That way we could talk about them a little bit. Um, unfortunately, things kind of didn't work out that way, uh, for us with this episode in particular. Uh, I was, like, racing, trying to get the cards as quickly as I could on PTCGO before we got to the point where I had to migrate to, uh, Pokemon Trading Card Game Live. I got every single card except for the Malabars, uh, which is kind of the most important Pokemon in the deck, so... Unfortunately, unfortunate. Yeah, very unfortunate. And, you know, I would love to play this deck on Pokemon Trading Card Game Live, but you cannot use cards from X and Y or Black and White on PTCGL, so it's kind of uh, 
not real expanded and I can't play it on there. PTCG Live directors, please get it together. Anyway, so I say all that because thankfully our friend Mark Zlatic, again, he emailed us this deck list and you can too, by the way, if you want to, you know, if you want to send a deck list our way, you could check it out. He sent us the deck list and also gave me a little bit of a blurb in the email about how it works. So this is basically a mill deck of sorts. Uh, you're kind of trying to stall your opponent out with confusion and mill cards along the way while they're, most of the time, unable to attack. So I'm going to go ahead and read the blurb that Mark threw for us in the email here. That way you kind of get an understanding of how the deck works. So he says, quote, It plays Malamar to keep your opponent confused and unable to attack. The Malamar has an ancient trait, which is kind of like an ability, except it's not really an ability. You can't really turn it off. That stops abilities done to Malamar. That's good, but not the point of the deck. The ability is amazing. It makes all of the opponent's flipped coins tails. So when the opponent tries to heal from the confused condition, they can't, meaning they are literally unable to attack. So how do we confuse the opponent? Yellhorn. It confuses both active Pokemon, but being confused can actually help us as it activates Inkay's ability, which Inkay's ability says when it's confused, you search your deck for its evolution, I believe it is. Um, continuing, he says, we can search with peers, level ball, etc. The problem is that whenever the opponent plays a switch, they cannot retreat while confused, they can heal the condition. We cannot stop them from switching, but we can prevent them from taking prizes. That's where Black Market comes in. Black Market Prism Star, a stadium from the Sun and Moon era. It decreases the amount of prize cards taken when a Pokemon with a Dark Energy is knocked out by one. So, you know, you play nothing but one prizer. So if your opponent knocks out a Malamar with a Darkness Energy attack, they take one less prize for it, which is zero prize cards. This makes Malamar give up no prizes and allows us to chain Malamars for free. While this happens, we can slowly mill their deck with Trick Shovel and Team Rocket's handiwork. Venusaur is there for extra draw. Skyla is included to grab Yellhorn. Trainer Mail also helps get Yellhorn. Earring Bell is another way to confuse the Pokemon or to confuse the opponent. So suddenly, when you hear all that, it kind of starts to make a lot of sense, right? <laughs> so a very interesting and creative deck, a way to. Lock your opponent from being able to attack. Again, Malamar's contrary ability. Very funny, by the way. <laughs> Having an ability that just like, yeah, that coin you flipped, it's tails. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, this is actually really interesting. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I looked at this when you first sent it to me and I had no idea what was really going on. I knew it was some kind of mill deck. But uh, I didn't know you could like chain the EKs like that. That's crazy. This actually sounds like a lot of fun. On one hand, it also I feel like if I was playing ladder and matched into this, I would just like want to bang my head against the table. <laughs> yeah, you're probably you probably get to the point where it's like, okay, they have contrary Malamar. I'm confused. Uh, I have nothing in my hand. Uh, I'll just scoop this one because <laughs> there was you know there was the thing that Mark said about you know the switch cards, right? You know if they play switch cards, you can't really stop that. But uh, funnily enough. If you're going to play a strategy that's weak to switching cards in any format, you'll want to do it in Expanded, because nobody is playing switch cards in Expanded. Because... Yeah, nobody does. There's so many other good options with Floatstone and whatnot. Yeah, because everybody's playing Floatstone and Guzma, right? Floatstone, you know, whatever, I guess. Um, but, you know, Guzma, Guzma is going to be able to get them out of it, but... 
Uh, Floatstone, not always. So, yeah, it's just a really cool deck. Again, I, I'm like a big fan of... Um, I'm a big fan of decks that like lean really heavily on special conditions just because like special conditions are just so outdated, so power crap that it's like if you find a deck that like actually has a niche relying specifically on special conditions, it makes me stop. And I'm just like, hold on. That's awesome. Because it's just so rare. You just don't see that anymore. Yeah, definitely. Because... Those decks you usually know are going to be a lot of fun to play because you got to do a bunch of like you know you usually got to go out of your way to make this stuff happen. So it makes for interesting decks. And like you said, if you can find one that can uh, revolve around special conditions and be viable, it's always cool. Absolutely, and I do love like just this kind of like maximum consistency approach we got going on here. I mean, like four peers, which. Listen, if you've been listening to the podcast, you know Piers is one of my favorite supporters. I think that card is great. <laughs> it's got four Piers, three Research, two Skyla, another favorite of mine, four Level Ball, four Trainer's Mail, three Nest Ball. I mean, we are finding everything that we need. <laughs> oh, for sure. Not to mention that, like, the Inke and the Malamar are both searchable off a of Level Ball and both recoverable off of Rescue Carrier. That's kind of awesome. So confusing your opponent, being like, okay, you literally cannot attack because every time you try, I will tell you it's tails and you will take 30 damage. And also not giving up prizes thanks to the Black Market Prism Star. Yeah, dude. I like this. This is pretty sick. Yeah. 100%. I have to agree with you. I uh, I don't know if I would go out of my way to ever build this, but uh, I, I do want to try it out. But... Yeah, it's definitely something... Uh, that we got to try out at some point. Again, like, I just feel like, dude, it sucks that I wasn't able to get this built in time, like, before the, you know, migration over to Pokemon Trading Card Game Live. Yeah. Just, because, like, I saw this, because, like, he sent both this and the Dialga Palkia Mill at the same time, I saw this, was like, this is one of the most creative decks I've ever seen in my life. I have to try this. And I couldn't get the Malabars. I had one, because I actually uh, got this promo myself. Back when it came out. In fact, I still have mm -hmm. it. Um, but, like, I just couldn't get the other three Malamars. Nobody was trading them. I, I actually got one. I'm going to look it up real quick. How, like, how much does this card go? Oh, it's not going for very much. <laughs> See a listing for 45 cents. I don't know. Okay, well. I guess if you want a cheap expanded deck, there you go. Well, outside of computer search, that's still, like, a $40 card. But, you know, that's, like, the most expensive card in the list, I guess. So yeah, really cool, really creative deck. Uh, one that, as soon as PTCG Live lets us use black and white and X and Y cards and expanded, I'm going mm -hmm. to build and try out immediately. Yeah, don't blame me. Yeah, but with that being said, again, a bit of a short one for you. Unfortunately, like there's only so much we could talk about having not played it ourselves. Uh, which, thank you, Mark, by the way, for including that little blurb. That way we could at least talk about it. Uh, that has actually been extremely helpful, so thank you for that. Uh, if you're curious, again, check out the Google Drive. Check out the deck list. Try to build it for yourself if you have the cards laying around. If you have a bunch of homies that you love playing Expanded with, build it. Give it a shot. Let us know how you like it. Hit us up on Twitter at DamageCounter, DamageCounterPodcast at gmail.com. If you prefer email, like our friend Mark, we do read the emails. Check it out. Or you yep. can send... 
uh, your decks over to us on our community Discord. We do have a submissions channel in there, so you can just drop your deck list in there and be like, hey, man, would really appreciate it if you talk about it on the podcast. We'd be like, don't worry, we got you, fam. You know, we'll try it out. Yeah, definitely. So thanks again to Mark for sending that deck list to us. But now we have uh, some fun cards to talk about. Uh, Japan Snow Hazard and Claybird sets have just been released in Japan. Japan's already been having a bunch of tournaments with all these crazy new archetypes, and we figured now is no better time to talk about these new translations in our main discussion than this week, so let's go ahead and talk about it. All right, Josh, this is a big one. (laughs) Definitely is. This is a big one. So, Snow Hazard and Clay Burst has just been released in Japan, and this set is full of so many playable cards. Now, we have talked about some of them in the past, uh, things like the Lux Ray, like the Tinkaton EX, you know, cards like that. We have talked about a few of these, so we're not going to cover all of them. Uh, if you want to hear our thoughts on, say, like the uh, the Ruinous Pokemon or whatever it is they're called in the game, check out the older episodes and all that fun stuff. We're going to talk about some of the cards that we haven't talked about and, uh, you know, tread ground a little bit over some of the other trainer cards that we have. Just, you know, because they're trainer cards, they're very important. So uh, we're going to kick things off with Super Rod, a uh, reprint, in my opinion, a very welcome reprint from the uh, black and white era, from the X and Y era. Uh, Basically is probably going to be our go-to item card for Pokemon Recovery. It says, shuffle up to three in any combination of Pokemon and basic energy cards from your discard pile uh, back into your deck. Um, I'm actually really glad they picked Super Rod and didn't, like, reprint Ordinary Rod or make, like, a new one. Like, Super Rod is kind of limited because you can only pick three Pokemon or, like, three in any combination of Pokemon or basic energy. And I kind of like that. It's limited. Do I want two Pokemon and an energy? Do I want two energy and a Pokemon? Like, you kind of have to... You kind of have to prioritize, make decisions. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I like Super Rod a lot. Yeah, pretty simple, but, you know, it's nice to have Pokemon Recovery back in the game in the form of an item. I know there were some people that were kind of hoping that, like, that would kind of stay in the supporter realm, and I don't think I would have hated that, but I'm also kind of glad we didn't do that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like I said, if it had to be any of them, I'm glad it was Super Rod. Yeah, definitely. So... Moving on to our next trainer card here, we have uh, Motivational Lemonade. So you can only use this card if you have more prize cards remaining than your opponent. Heal 60 damage from one of your Pokemon. Uh, I mean, not too much to say here, just a cool little uh, health trainer card, healing trainer card, you know. 60's not bad to heal in this format. Yeah, uh, a card a card to play and heal up a little bit while behind on prize cards. Uh, I like this just kind of as a response to Lost Zone Box. Like, healing is a great way to, to kind of slow that deck down a little bit. So, you know, if they get ahead, take an early KO, you're like, okay, well, uh, you know, all this damage you were trying to set up for Lost Mine later, whoop, I'm going to take 60 of that off. And also kind of, like, opens the path for, like, some tanking decks, things like maybe Metagross. I have, like, I've seen a Metagross VMAX deck in Japan that's, like, playing, like, a playset of these. I'm like, dang, bro. Go off, I guess. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> Definitely. Got a couple supporters here. We have Grusha. Uh, draw cards until you have five cards in your hand, and if you have no energy cards attached to any of your Pokemon, draw up to seven cards instead. 
Uh, I think this is meant to be comboed with Qian Pao EX. Uh, its attack does more damage based on how many energy you discard from your Pokemon. So in theory, you flood the board with energy, discard them all with uh, Qian Pao's attack, and then you're allowed to draw until you have seven with Grusha. I think it's fine in theory, but like, if you don't have to discard certain energies, you're not going to, right? You know, and it's just mm -hmm. kind of awkward to play around this condition. Because otherwise, like, draw until you have five is kind of terrible. Draw until you yeah, have you're... seven is fine, but, like, I don't think the condition is worth it, personally. You're not wrong. I, I mean, I agree with you. Yeah, fairly conditional supporter, but, uh, you know, I, I feel like there are some decks that can't get some use out of this. Maybe, like, a control deck that doesn't play any energy or, you know, something like that could... Uh, potentially find a lot of use in this card, but uh, for right now, I feel like it's kind of a mid-supporter right now. Yeah, yeah, I do have to agree with you. But uh, I could, I'd see it as like a potential niche option, I guess, yeah. in a couple decks. Uh, so the other supporter we were going to talk about here, uh, I'll be honest, I have no idea how to pronounce this guy's name. I want to say it's... Gaia Como? Gaia Como? Yeah, Gaia Como is what I was leaning towards, but Gaia, it might be Gaia Como. I don't know. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, so this trader card lets you uh, discard a special energy from each of your opponent's Pokemon. Uh, this is so not, silly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to lie, the first time I read it, I just read discard a special energy, I was like, okay. <laughs> and then I read from each, and I was like, does that say really from each? <laughs> yeah, this this supporter is absurd, right? Like it's it's like also like kind of niche at the same time, but like also kind of absurd. Um, I, I think the big thing is that like this really punishes Mew to a degree, right? Um, because we'll talk a little bit more about it later. There's a certain Pokemon in this uh, set that's probably going to have Mew players wanting to play Fusion more than DTE moving forward. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you know, if Mew gets ahead on attachments, being like, okay, attached to this Mew, well, you haven't knocked it out yet, well, I'll attach to this Mew, right? Or if they go, like, Elisa Sparkle, put an energy here, put an energy there, you know, if the Mew player, like, wants to get ahead on their energy attachments in any shape, form, or fashion, you just drop a Gaia Como and then, like, wipe out ha literally half the energy in their deck. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, think yeah. they're, I think they're really after Mew in this set, dude. <laughs> It does kind of feel like that. I mean, I'm here for it. That I, I want that deck to die. I'm, I'm so sick of it, so I'm here for it. <laughs> I don't think it's going to work, but, you know, we can try. I, I don't think you'll ever be able to completely kill it. No, until there's it, no uh, shot. Until it no reaches shot. a designated expiration date. Unfortunately, I, I do agree with you, but really powerful supporter. I think if special energy ever becomes big, like Gaia Como just like, starts seeing play in a bunch of decks. Could also be used against Lugia. I think it's kind of more niche there because Lugia is typically only putting energy on one Pokemon at a time anyway, so eh, but I don't know, maybe. Yeah. Got a bit of a stadium card coming at you here. Snow Mountain of Disaster. Whenever any player attaches an energy card from their hand to one of their basic non-water Pokemon, put two damage counters on that Pokemon. Uh, it's kind of mid. Kind of mid. We already have Old Cemetery in the format, which basically does the same thing when you attach an energy to a non-psychic Pokemon. This is like 
non-water, and it has to be a basic, right? So if it's an evolution Pokemon, you're just immune to this, like, entirely. Which I guess is fine, right? Like, they're trying to promote evolution decks and trying to weaken basic Pokemon, so I get it. But, like, even if this did work on evolutions, I guarantee you this wouldn't see play. I mean, like, Old Cemetery is not seeing play for a reason. Because it's not yeah. very good. This is not just, much better. Yeah, just, you know, it doesn't do enough right now. It's uh, not really worth it. Just unless you really don't care about your stadium slot. And just like, yeah, I guess I'll run this. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's, it's very rare for passive stadiums like this to see any amount of play. Like, you usually want some kind of immediate effect from a stadium more often than not. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, in the right format, I'm sure this could see play. Who knows? Yeah, true. Anyway, up next we have a new special energy coming along with reversal energy. So, while attached to a Pokemon, it provides one colorless energy, but if you have more prize cards remaining than your opponent, and this card is attached to an evolution Pokemon that doesn't have a rule box, it provides three energy of any type instead. So, some pretty strict requirements there. You gotta check a couple boxes, but, uh, I mean, potentially a good energy just to throw down and uh, blitz with the Pokemon. Yeah, dude, it's so worth it. I mean, and I, we already did talk about this one previously, but, like, this is such an insane card that, like, we felt like we wanted to come back and hit it again. Because mm-hmm. this is basically just scramble energy from the EX era, and that is just... Dude, that's so absurd. This, like, suddenly makes, like, one prize or stage twos that have just been consistently terrible because they're not fast enough. This instantly makes them better. And I gotta be honest, this card I think single-handedly makes Gardevoir the BDIF next format. You didn't hear it from me, but, you know, you Psychic Embrace a whole bunch of energy onto a baby Gardevoir and then attach that for turn and then just get an extra 90 damage? Bruh. Not bad. That's kind of wild, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that that's gonna help out so many cards. And again, it's promoting the use of evolution Pokemon, but not only evolution Pokemon, one prize evolution Pokemon, which have not been viable in probably since like early sun and moon, right? Like, mm-hmm. and even then you could maybe, you can maybe get debatable on that, but it's just like, I don't know. I, I think, I think this is just such a healthy card for the format. I'm glad it's here. Yeah, definitely. Got a couple more trainer cards here. We've got Delivery Drone, flip two coins if both are heads. Search your deck for any one card and put it in your hand. If you do, shuffle your deck. Um, no. I, I'm i sorry, I, this is kind of mid. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. I'm all, like, coin flips are already, like, one thing. Like, they're not terrible, right? You gotta flip a coin for Capturing Aroma. You gotta flip a coin for Kramomatic, and those are cards that are seeing a ton of play right now. But, like, flipping two coins... For and like possibly getting no effect out of it, I just like I don't know, dude. This is probably probably not the wave, especially while we have Cramomatic in format. Yeah, definitely. I I mean, it's just I don't know. It's kind of like the inferior option in every way, you know. Yeah, I think if you want an effect like this, you're just better off playing Cramomatic at every single turn. It's one coin flip. You get to discard a card from your hand as well, uh, which provides a little bit of extra thinning. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, it is what it is. Uh, go ahead and move it on. We have a uh, Charm of Courage, another Pokemon tool card. So, uh, pretty easy. The basic Pokemon this card is attached to gets plus fifty HP. So, I mean, that's not bad. The plus fifty HP—that's 
pretty solid, but uh, there is that requirement of the only being able to equip this on basic Pokemon. So, eh, it's okay, in my opinion. It'd be good, depending on what you're running. For sure. Uh, I mean, it's it's can be situational, depending on your deck list. Uh, we did see Cape of Toughness in the Sword and Shield block, which is basically the same thing, except it couldn't be attached to GX Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Um, and Cape of Toughness was pretty good in uh, a good number of decks, and I think Charm is going to have the same effect here, and I think it works really well for things like Chienpao EX, uh, Wochien EX, Tinglu EX, right? You know, the, the front-runner yeah. basic Pokemon of the set. Because they sit around like the 220, 230 HP range, which a lot of the V and V-Star Pokemon can hit pretty easily, right? So mm-hmm. having this to give them a little bit more survivability, I think is really good. And uh, RIP expanded format, because this can be attached to GX Pokemon. You're telling me I have to deal with a 330 HP Arceus Dialga Palkia Tag Team GX? No thanks, I'm good. That format is dead anyway, just kidding. But like, why? <laughs> yeah. Got a few more supporters for you. We have Sagaro. I think that's how his name is said. It wouldn't be a Pokemon card if you didn't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> True. Uh, we're going to go with Sagaro here. Heal 50 damage from up to two of your Pokemon. Um, I'm not sure how to feel about this one. Uh, like I said before, like healing is really good against like the Lost Zone box uh, archetypes to prevent them from like having easy lines of play with like things like Lost Zone or with Lost Mine and stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, which is really strong. But like, it's just one of those things where it's like, is the format going to be in a slow enough spot where we can afford to use this as our supporter for turn? Are we going to get enough value out of this? Is this going to change math to get us out of you know a two shot one shot territory type deal? Uh, yeah i'm I'm not i'm not too certain about this yeah could be could be good in the right meta but i'm not sure if this is the right meta yeah we'll definitely just have to wait and see but moving on to our next supporter now we have uh iono so each player shuffles their hand and puts it on the bottom of their deck that each player draws a card for each of their remaining prize cards uh not bad you know i'm in love with this card mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like combining it's, n and marnie i was about to say it's a lot more fair than marnie so oh, i'm a way lot more, more fair to see this <laughs> but yeah pretty I, good it was very funny i was talking with some friends that like really dislike marnie and they're just like oh my god i'm so glad marnie's not in this format and then they this got printed they're like no I don't want my cards at the bottom of the deck. I was like, dude, it's fine. It's fine. You don't get, like, turn one Marnied anymore. Right? Because, yeah. like, that that was, like, one of the worst things about the Sword and Shield format. It was like, okay, cool. I went first. I got my energy, you know. I've, I've got I've got some great cards in my hand. I should be good. And they go, yeah, Marnie, turn one. And then, like, okay, shuffle to the bottom, draw four. I'm like, well, these four cards are dead. I can't do anything with these. And then you're just like, draw, attach, pass, like... Yeah, that happened really well. quite a bit in the Sword and Shield format. Iano is going to make that a little bit better because now if your opponent drops turn one Iano, you're sending your cards to the bottom of the deck, which sucks a little bit, but mm-hmm. you're drawing six cards instead of four in the early game, right? And you're just like, okay, well, that's still enough cards to keep you in the game to help you find some pieces, right? So your opponent gets to disrupt you a little bit, but it doesn't punish you because it's still early in the game. But the more prize cards you take that begins to hurt more and more, right? 
oh, I'm winning. Well, I don't want to, you know, if I play this, I shuffle, you know, put it at the bottom and draw one, and my opponent puts it at the bottom and draws five. Like, I don't want to do that. But alternatively, for the player that's behind, it's like, okay, well, I can just, I honor them to one card. Hopefully that'll brick them out, and then we can, you know, try to mount a comeback here. Same thing with N, right? Shuffle, draw, prize cards, like, you know, it, same thing, but the cards will go to the bottom. And I feel like, I, honestly, I think I think this is going to allow skilled players to win more frequently than even N does, in my opinion. Because now you have to not only play around your hand being disrupted and losing those resources, but now you have to play around the fact that those resources are at the bottom of the deck. <laughs> it's interesting. And I very much like this approach. Definitely. <clears throat> I uh, I'd, like I said, I like I'd want more than we used to have. So if it's got to be here, I'm okay with this. Yeah, for <laughs> sure, for sure. I uh, got another stadium card here in Wilderness of Disaster. The retreat cost of each basic Pokemon, except Fighting Pokemon, is one colorless more. Um, this, I guess this one's a little bit more applicable than Snow Mountain of Disaster. Um, there's not a ton of relevant basic Fighting type Pokemon. I mean, you have, like, the Galarian Zapdos, Tinglu EX, Coridon EX. Those are, you know, probably going to be seeing quite a bit of play when this set comes out. Um, but, you know, aside from that, it's just kind of like, I, I don't know. Like, maybe Spide Ops would run this to just get a little bit of extra damage. I'm not really sure, to be honest. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's okay, but I really don't know what it's for, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I, 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 think, I think the combo really is that, like... Or like what the designers were going for is that you combine it with Tinglu EX and it, you know its ability is like okay if your opponent's Pokemon has damage counters on it it doesn't have an ability type deal so yeah. basically just like being super disruptive trying to keep them locked in the active spot so that you can you know get set up and do all that stuff I guess I don't really know to be honest <laughs> yeah uh, I don't know I mean it's okay for sure. Anyway, we're going to go ahead and move on to the next card. We have Therapy Energy, another special energy. So, uh, as long as this card is attached to Pokemon, it provides a colorless energy. But the Pokemon this card is attached to can't be asleep, confused, or paralyzed. And if it's already affected by one of these status conditions, it recovers from that special condition. So, uh, an interesting energy card. Yeah, I hope uh, I hope you Lugia haters weren't trying to uh, paralyze lock Lugia again because they you can't do that anymore. <laughs> it's it's an interesting energy card that like I don't know it's like one of those things where it's like obviously paralysis is very good and it's been a common strategy to deal with Lugia for a while now and I guess in theory could also be used against Gardevoir, um, but now that's not really a thing anymore. Uh, so I don't, I mean, call me a Lugia hater, I guess, but like, I really don't like that this is just a Lugia buff because you just, you know, you get to just pull this out of the deck and attach it with Archaeops. And you're just like, okay, good job. What did you accomplish? Well, nothing. But like, on the other hand, it's like a lot of these special conditions aren't like super great anyway. So I don't know. It, it's, mm -hmm. it's like half whatever. And also half like, why did they buff Lugia? I <laughs> Which to be to be fair, right? Like, you can't print a special energy without it being considered a buff to Lugia. You just can't. Like, 
that that's just kind of the inherent thing that we're going to have to deal with. Like Lugia is just going to be hovering mm-hmm. around until it rotates because Primal Turbo is just such an absurdly strong ability, right? Every time they print a special energy, it's going to help Lugia, even if it seems weird or difficult to use, right? It's just always going to do something good. So, oh, well, what can you do? Let's start talking about some Pokemon, however. We have Abomasnow, a grass-type stage 1 Pokemon with 150 HP, has the ability Catastrophic Freeze. Damage can't be healed from any Pokemon, both yours and your opponent's, but damage counters can still be moved. And uh, for 2 Grass and a Colorless, Magnum Punch for 110 damage. Um, I'm not sure if we've ever seen an ability like this before. Um... Well, that's not entirely true. There was a Mimikyu in Sword and Shield that prevented healing as well. There's also a Stadium card uh, that had the same effect. Didn't really see a lot of play, even though there were a few niche scenarios where they, in theory, could have. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if Snow is going to have any niche. It, I suppose it could, like in a Ting Lu deck, right? You want to make sure your opponent is keeping those damage counters in play. Uh, that way you're shutting off their abilities, right? So I could see maybe Ting Lu running this as a 1-1, but healing kind of needs to be... kind of needs to be prevalent enough in the format to warrant this, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I uh, I don't know. I really don't have too much to say about it right now. It, it, is, it is interesting, but... Uh, it's interesting and something you might want to keep your eye on. Yeah, aren't... Anyway, we're going to move on to covering our first EX Pokemon of the night with Slowking EX. So, Slowking EX has a first attack here for one Psychic Energy, Profound Knowledge, 30 damage. Your opponent's active Pokemon is now confused. Uh, not bad. And, uh, for second attack here, we have, uh, for two Psychic Energy, Wisdom Headbutt. For 130 damage, may you search your deck for up to any two cards and put them into your hand. If you do, shuffle your deck. Uh, pretty good attack there. Uh, 130 is not awful damage, and being able to search your deck's really good. Yeah, I mean, searching for any two cards is uh, kind of broken. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, we see. I mean, searching for any two cards is a once per game effect on Arceus, right? So. Now, granted, this is your attack. You know, you got to get the slow king set up. You got to get the two energy on it. You have to attack, and you got to leave him out there, and that obviously ends your turn, where Starbirth doesn't, which is why it's once per game. But, I mean, searching, like I said, searching for any two cards is just crazy. I would like the damage to be higher. 130 is kind of like whatever. Like, you're missing a two-shot on V-Stars without a damage modifier, which feels kind of bad. And, uh... It's just kind of, it's just a little bit low for me. Yeah, it's not awful, but it's definitely a little bit too low. Yeah, and I'm also just not, like, sure what exactly we partner Slow King with. I mean, like, obviously, I guess you could just have, like, a quad Slow King deck, I guess. But, like, what are you doing with Profound now? Like, what two cards are, if if it's only a Slow King deck, like, what two cards are you searching? I, I I don't know, because I don't think, you know, I guess you could go for, like, a... Cheryl, but then how do you set up the next Wisdom Headbutt? And it's just like, I don't know, it gets a little weird. I'm like, what are we doing with this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. 
But I can tell you what we are doing with this next Pokemon. We have Gothitelle, a stage 2 Psychic-type Pokemon with 150 HP. It has the ability Astrology. Once during your turn, you may look at the top two cards of your opponent's deck. If you do, put one of those cards back on top of their deck and the other one at the bottom of their deck. And it's attack for a Psychic and a Colorless. Psyban, 120 damage. Discard a random card from your opponent's hand. So, Gothitelle opening up some handlock strategies here. Uh... Pokemon is usually pretty careful with uh, top deck manipulation uh, in the Pokemon trading card game. Sometimes they let some really powerful stuff slip through. I'm not really sure if uh, Gothitelle is strong enough to make like an absurdly toxic handlock strategy, but it is possible. You do have to set it up, right? And of course you <laughs> have Iano now that comes out in this set. So the more prize cards your opponent takes... The less cards they draw off of Iano, the more likely you are able to brick them with the Astrology ability. Uh, my one kind of hiccup here is we still have Lost Zone in the format, so like you can manipulate your opponent's top deck, and they go, mm -hmm. cool, draw, Flower Selecting, and they see two more cards. So it's just like, eh. And you also have like Refinement Curlia, and they go, cool, draw. I know it's a dead card because you want me to draw dead cards. Refinement. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm not sure if the format's right for any kind of hand-locking strategies with Gothitelle. Maybe, like, I feel like once we get to, like, a Scarlet and Violet on format, like, this could potentially be something kind of scary to look for. But for the time being, I don't think it really has a place at the moment. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you. But, you know, there's always a potential for later. So... We're going to go ahead and move on to Mimikyu now, our next Pokemon. So Mimikyu has the ability Safeguard, which uh, prevents all damage done to this Pokemon by attacks from your opponent's Pokemon EX and Pokemon V. Uh, pretty good ability. Just a really nice wall there against your opponent's uh, EX and Vs. And uh, for your attack... For one Psychic and a Colorless, Ghost Eyes put seven damage counters on your opponent's active Pokemon. That's not bad, honestly. No, Just being, out, being able to wall and spread damage counters, that's uh, pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's always nice to see these Pokemon with the Safeguard ability. Um, I, you know, I know there are some people that, like, really hate this stuff or they think it's lazy card design. Honestly, I, I think stuff like this is super healthy for the game. It, you know, kind of forces people to actually, like, kind of take different approaches to deck building, knowing that they could just get completely walled out by this tiny little 70 HP Pokemon, just chipping you for 70 at a time, you know? Yeah. Um, but I also kind of like that it puts damage counters instead of just doing straight damage, because... <laughs> what. It's kind of funny because, like, in Sword and Shield, there were, it was not uncommon to see a Miltank and a Flying Pikachu V in a stalemate, or Flying Pikachu mm. V Max in a stalemate, where it's like, cool, Max Balloon for zero damage, and they go, cool, Route for zero damage, because you're immune to basics, so... <laughs> Uh, kind of funny. I think I, I almost feel like that's why they went the damage counter route this time, being like, "No, we're, you're just gonna, we're gonna do an effect this time." <laughs> <laughs> kind of interesting, but it's also nice to have one of these that's immune to EX Pokemon, and I think it's coming at a good time with uh, Chien Pao EX uh, coming into the format. I, I think this is a good time to have a Pokemon like this. So uh, I'm a fan. I like it. Yeah. Awesome. 
We have our first Glamora card. Glamora, a stage one fighting type Pokemon with 130 HP, has the ability Crystal Break. When this Pokemon is knocked out, flip a coin. If heads, your opponent can't take any prize cards for it. And for one fighting energy, it's Attack Floral Spite. Your opponent's active Pokemon is now poisoned. During Pokemon checkup, put six damage counters on that Pokemon instead of one. Six poison is a lot. That is a lot. Especially, pretty, it's pretty scary, actually. Holy crap. Yeah, I mean, if you think about the fact that we had Galarian Weezing, which was a stage one, that for one energy did four poison damage between turns, and they're like, no, let's do six. Yeah. And you might not take a prize card for it. That's kind of crazy. I could. I, I don't think it's going to be competitive by any means, but it is going to be a funny meme deck, I think. Or, you know, maybe something that wins, like, a League Cup or a League Challenge or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um... And, you know, we do still have the Radiant, Hisui, and Sneasler in the format, which is going to up that poison damage by two. So you could have, mm-hmm. like, eight poison damage between turns, which is kind of nuts to think about. And again, you might not take a prize card for knocking this thing out. And that's hilarious. That is kind of crazy. Moving next up on our list, we have Murkrow now. So, Murkrow's basic Pokemon for, for one attack for a single colorless. Ben turns. 10 damage, which is Pokemon with one of your bench Pokemon. Uh, I mean, it's pretty standard, like, just a little attack, you know. At least yeah. pretty regularly on basic Pokemon. Uh, being able to, like, get out of the active with the attack is not awful, in case this ever gets stuck or you need to pivot or something, so it's kind of cool. But its second attack here, for one Darkness Energy, Wings of Union, so it does 20 times damage. This attack does 20 damage times the number of Pokemon in your discard pile that have the Wings of Union attack. Uh, I'm sure that's. Uh, I'm sure this looks pretty familiar to people that have seen. <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of a common attack that Pokemon actually does occasionally. Yeah, Night March slash Lost March slash Mad Party is back, baby. <laughs> mm-hmm. That time. Yeah, I think it's kind of funny that they've like printed an archetype like this every generation since uh, X and Y. Uh, none of them have been quite as good as Night March, but you know, it's back in the form of Wings of Union, and I kind of like the fact that it's uh, you know just themed around bird Pokemon now. Um, mm. There are a couple other Pokemon with this attack. You have the Murkrow here, obviously. You, uh, there was a Watrel that's also coming in this set that has the same attack. There's a Flamigo that has the same attack. Um... What I like about it is that, like, between the Watchroll and the Murkrow, like, you actually have some pretty decent type coverage with this. Mm-hmm. So you can hit uh, Lightning Weakness and Darkness Weakness, which are pretty good. You know, you hit Lugia, you can hit Palkia, I guess. Not many people playing Palkia, but, you know, you, you can hit it. And then you can hit Mew for Weakness, which is also pretty cool. So, um, yeah, I mean, if you're a fan of the, you know, typical Mad Party type stuff, you know, here's the Scarlet and Violet version. I gotta be honest, my hopes are not high for this. I think Pokemon burned themselves too too much the first time with uh, with uh, yeah with Night March, good lord. Um, mm-hmm. I think they burned themselves too much the first time with Night March, and they're very careful to not make the archetype <laughs> that good anymore. And we got a very interesting Pokemon EX up next. I'm actually pretty excited for this one. Uh, we have Copper Raja EX. A stage one, 300 HP metal type Pokemon. Let that sink in for a second. 300 HP on a stage one. That's a big man. Holy, he's beefy. Has the ability bronze body. This Pokemon takes 30 less damage from attacks. Now, important thing on the verbiage there. 
30 less damage from attack. So if your own Pokemon does damage to you for whatever reason, you would take 30 less, right? So like if you attack with Drapiad V, you got to put 60 damage on one of your Pokemon. If you targeted your Caparaja, it would only take 30 damage. So, you know, cute little attack there. Keep that, or cute little ability there. Keep that in mind. Because it's attack, Nosequake for two metal and a colorless does 260 damage, which is a lot of damage. And this attack also does 30 damage to each of your benched Pokemon. Ah, but if we have only Caparaja in play, our bench won't take that 30 damage. So, ah, okay. A little bit of ability synergy there. I don't really know why they had to... I mean, I, I guess 260 damage is a lot to not have a downside, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I do appreciate that Caparaja's bronze body ability allows you to play around the downside of the attack. Um, so really cool. It's... Stage one, you can get it up pretty quick. It's extremely beefy. It has 300 HP and resists 30 damage from your opponent's attacks and your own attacks. Uh, and just 260, that's a lot of damage, man. I am a big fan of this card. The big problem, how are we powering him up? That's the thing. Is I like, There's not really a good answer for this. The best like I could come up with is that like there's the Hisuian Voltorb. that uh, I think it was like Astral Radiance that card came out in. Uh, mm -hmm. if you would, if you use its attack, which costs zero energy, on your first turn going second, you can search your deck for two energy cards and attach them to two bench Pokemon. Mm -hmm. So you can attach a metal to, you know, one Q font and a metal to another Q font, and then like just try to go from there. There's also the Squawkabilly EX that comes out in this set. It has an attack for one energy, does twenty damage, and accelerates two energy from the discard pile to one of your Pokemon. So. Maybe I, this is the only thing I can think of to like even remotely get this thing up and going quickly. And then if you want a second or a third one, you're going to have to squeeze a Raihan in there somewhere. So powering it up is going to be difficult. I guess you could also go Lost Zone, right? Go Lost Zone, Comparaja. Mm. But, you know, then you have all these Comfes and maybe a Cramorant that's going to be taking 30 damage from Nosequake. You know what I mean? So uh, I'm not too sure how I feel about it, but... If you could find a way to make it work without playing too many Pokemon outside of the Caparaja, I think we have a very strong Pokemon on our hands. Yeah, it does seem cool. Uh, if someone cracks the code, it'll definitely be interesting to see. Yeah, I, I, I think that's going to be one of the first archetypes that I mess around with once we finally get this set in June, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, anyway, all right. Moving on next, we got Pelipper. Good old Pelipper. <laughs> With its ability, Wind Letter. Uh, when you play this Pokemon from your hand to evolve one of your Pokemon during your turn, you may either search your deck for a supporter card, reveal it, put it into your hand, and shuffle your deck, or put a supporter card from your discard pile into your hand. Got a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of text on that ability, but it, I like that ability a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's very good. Yeah, I just love having the flexibility of being able to either search a deck, search your deck for the supporter, or grab a supporter from the discard pile, right? Like, you just drop them into play, and you get what you need. doesn't matter if you used it already and it's been discarded, or it doesn't matter if you haven't even got it out of the deck yet, right? Like, the supporter you need, unless it's prized, you're going to get. And I think that's really cool. Like, Yeah, it... I mean, it makes it makes you viable early game and late game, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. From the deck, yeah, you're able to grab from the deck early game, and then mid-late game, you're able to grab them from the discard. It is interesting. 
Yeah, the only thing that's like kind of like weird for me on this is that it's a coming into play ability. So it's like one of those things where it's like, well, are you going to leave a wingle benched the entire game until you get to use this? Or are you just like rip it immediately? Or like, you know, like, like you, and that's something like you as a player, I guess, are going to have to figure out, right? Like the wingle has like 70 hmm. HP, so it's not like the worst thing in the world. But like, I, I, I think the biggest problem is that Lost Zone Box is a thing. I think in a format yeah. with Lost Zone Box, I think like this combo is a bit too risky to use, but it might have some potential. Yeah, possibly. You would definitely have to identify what your opponent is doing and try to play around that before you just uh, started dropping the, the wingles all across your bench, but uh, it does have the potential to be a good ability. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, another Pokemon we want to stop and talk about here is Big Man Slacking, a stage two colorless Pokemon with 180 HP, has the ability back to bed. During Pokemon checkup, if this Pokemon is asleep, flip two coins instead of one. If either of them is tails, this Pokemon is still asleep. So we've seen this effect like on the you know the Lost Origin Snorlax, um, except that effect only happens when it falls asleep by its own attack not just when it's asleep in general so a little weird to play around but you'll notice that uh that ability that hindering ability is here for a reason because for three colorless energy slacking can use a lazy headbutt 240 damage this pokemon is now asleep so yeah three energy 240 on a one prizer even as a stage two is kind of nuts, especially with the format slowing down and stage twos being, you know, more just, like just being better, especially with a reversal energy. You just attach a reversal energy and you just you just go. You just pop this 240 mm -hmm. easy. Uh, attach a belt. You get that gets you to 270, uh, which is just shy of knocking out V-Star Pokemon. But you can use like Halucha to clean up the KO or whatever. Uh, pretty powerful, pretty powerful. And Again, remember, we had that therapy energy from earlier. You attach that to the slacking, and he immediately wakes up. You don't have to do flip coins or anything like that. So, uh, it could be interesting. It could be a fun, uh, a, a fun card to to play with. But you know, we'll have to see. Yeah, definitely. All right, next on the list, we got Fortress uh, EX. So. This Pokemon comes with the ability Explosive Energy. Once during your turn, you may search your deck for up to five basic Grass Energy cards and attach them to your Pokemon in any way you like. Then shuffle your deck. If you search Pokemon in this way, this Pokemon is knocked out. So talk about acceleration. <laughs> yeah, as early as turn two, this thing goes boom, and then there's five energy on the field all of a sudden. Yes. Uh, it's kind of crazy, definitely uh, needs some partners to be taken advantage of, because boy, he ain't going to be able to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he goes boom. He gets discarded, and your opponent takes two prize cards for it. So, yeah, definitely going to need some, some attackers to take advantage of the ability. Yep. Is uh, an interesting ability there. He does have an attack, just in case he needs to swing. For uh, two grass energy, you get guard press. 120 damage during your opponent's next turn. This Pokemon takes 30 less damage from attacks. So, I mean, it's not awful. Uh, 
he has 270 HP. That's uh, a little on the low end, really, but it's respectable, so... I mean, 30 less damage could be the difference between a uh, two-turn different, you know, KO or not. Yeah, 270 is pretty solid for a stage one, at the very least. And, you know, getting that extra 30 on there does actually put you out of range for uh, Lost Impact, which is very funny. Um, yeah, it could be a good way to just kind of, like, hold out for a little bit or, you know, be a, I guess, fairly low committal way to, like, boss something like a Manaphy or something and to, like, just quickly take it out. Um as I think the obvious combo that the designers are going for here is to like to combine Fortress EX with Wochien EX, uh, which with mm-hmm. Wochien's attack it does what is it is it 60, 60 damage for each prize card your opponent has taken to any Pokemon <laughs> on your opponent's side, uh, which is kind of nuts. So you know mm-hmm. you just pop this guy, power up the Wochien, your opponent takes two prize cards because you activated the ability, and then suddenly you're sniping for one hundred and twenty damage wherever you want. Uh, which is pretty strong. Uh, you can power this up, or you can combine this with other uh, grass-type Pokemon, make it like a grass-type toolbox-type thing. Superior V-Star, uh, Alolan Executor V, uh, you know, things of that nature can kind of create this grass-type toolbox, which is really cool. You could also go with like a handlock approach, uh, there's a Trevenant V from Evolving Skies. Uh, does 120 damage and discards a card from your opponent's hand. So you could pop the Fortress, go down to four prize cards, hit them with Iano, put them down to four cards in hand, and then just start snatching cards out of their hand. Again, like we said before with Gothitelle, like hand-lock strategies aren't going to be super great because, again, Curly's got refinement, Lawzone can just draw cards, Mew can just draw cards, so it's just kind of like, eh, but, you know... There's a couple different things you can do with Fortress here, and uh, it's 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 another one of those Pokemon that I'm I'm looking forward to using quite a bit uh, once we finally get the set. Another really right. cool EX card coming in this uh, in this next set that I'm also pretty excited to use actually is Belly Bolt EX, a Lightning type Stage One Pokemon with 280 HP, uh, has the attack Jump Press for two colorless. This attack does 50 damage to one of your opponent's Pokemon. And for two lightning and a colorless, you have Paralyzed Ball, 160 damage, and you may discard two lightning energy from this Pokemon, and if you do, your opponent's active Pokemon is now paralyzed. Now, I thought this card was really good, because Mm. discarding two lightning energy and paralyzing is actually pretty cool. Like, I don't really care that you have a retreat cost of three, you just play a high switch count, throw some Flaffies in there, and then you can start looping Paralysis, and, you know, you've got 280 HP, it's pretty beefy for stage one. It could be a little bit difficult for a Lost Zone box to get through eventually, right? So mm-hmm. even for things that you're knocking out and not paralyzing, you know, you're fine. You're just kind of kind of being this big-bodied attacker. But remember, we have therapy energy. So anything you try to paralyze, they just attach a therapy energy and they are no longer paralyzed. There goes this card's entire gimmick. <laughs> <laughs> now, granted, that's only if like therapy energy is popular, right? Or is able yeah. to be played in most decks, which maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Who knows? Like We, we don't really know yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it does end up being popular, then unfortunately Belly Bolt is just kind of not good. Which is unfortunate. I don't know. I mean, maybe something will come around at some point to get us time to shine. But uh, yeah, I think it'd be pretty rough. 
It's pretty. It looks pretty rough for him right now. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, especially because like the deck you want to be paralyzing the most is Lugia, and that's the deck that benefits the most from therapy energy and can use yeah. it most most effectively. So it's just like, okay, well, that sucks. Yeah, I mean it. Uh, it is what it is, I guess. You know, like we said, might yeah. get better later on. But anyway, uh, next up we got Wigglytuff. So Wigglytuff has the ability Balloon Therapy. Once during your turn, you may attach a Therapy Energy from your hand to one of your Pokemon. I mean, that's not bad. Uh, extra Energy attached per turn, uh, which you're getting to attach a Special Energy for three, so leaves your actual attach open. It's a okay ability. Yeah, pretty respectable. It's, uh, you know, you have to have the Energy in hand, right? So it's not like a... Not necessarily a get-out-of-jail-free card, but if you're going to be playing this Wigglytuff, you're probably going to be playing four copies of Therapy Energy anyway. And I've yeah. seen some interesting ideas of using this as just, like, additional general energy acceleration. Like, if you're playing an Arceus deck, like, you could just... You know, if you miss, like, turn one energy as Arceus, you're like, okay, well, I got my Jigglypuff down. That's fine. Next turn, I'll just get the evolution for Wigglytuff, you know... And then I can just go Balloon Therapy, attach DTE, and then I'm off to the races, right? And I'm sure there are other decks that can do that. Uh, you know, Therapy Energy providing Colorless. You know, you, you can get away with that uh, in a lot of ways. So, uh, you know, it, it, it can help that niche. I don't think that use of Wigglytuff will be particularly useful or, you know, see a lot of play. But it is an option, right? It's something you probably should consider a lot of times. Yeah, definitely. Now we're uh, reaching towards the end here. we got a few more Pokemon we want to talk about. And uh, remember earlier when I said that the designers were uh, pretty keen on uh, dealing with Mew in this set? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, baby. We got Spiritomb, a basic Psychic-type Pokemon with 60 HP. Has the ability Pitch Black Doom. As long as this Pokemon is in play, basic Pokemon V have no abilities, both yours and your opponent's. Yeah, he doesn't even need to be active. You put him on the bench, and then Mew cannot use uh, Fusion Strike system to draw cards anymore. Crazy. That's it. All you gotta do is bench him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are really gunning after Mew in this set, man. And like I said before, I don't care. I'm here for it. Please give me more, more Mew hate. Now, <laughs> the, the counterbalance here is, right, there is actually some ways that Mew can play around this. Like, there is some counterbalance here. Uh, for one thing, again, both players, basic Pokemon V, have no abilities, so you can't really run this and Drapion in the same deck to counter Mew. You kind of have to pick one or the other, unless you're a deck that can power up Drapion without its ability, like most Lost Zone variants, in which case, okay, that's fine. But... For a lot of decks, that's going to be, okay, do I go with Spiritomb and force them to just not draw cards, or do I go with Drapion and just take easy KOs? You can make those decisions as a deck builder. Um, but another thing that Mew players can do to get around this is that they can actually just play the Fusion Strike build. Uh, the Fusion Strike build plays, of course, Fusion Strike Energy, and for those that may have forgotten, since Fusion Strike Mew has not been super popular... Uh, since, you know, the tail end of Astral Radiance, the Fusion Strike energy actually does say prevent all effects of abilities done to the Pokemon that this energy is attached to. So if you play Elisa Sparkle, for example, get energy onto a Genesect and get energy onto another Genesect, even with the Spiritomb in play, as long as a Genesect has Fusion Strike energy attached to it, 
that Genesect can still draw cards. So there is some counterplay for the Mew players. And I think because of this card, I think Mew really does finally go back to Fusion Strike Mew at this stage of the game. I, I think like the risk mm-hmm. of running into a Spiritomb is too great to not play Fusion Strike Mew going forward. Mm-hmm. But the problem with that is, is that, okay, my opponent has Spiritomb. I will spread my energy out so that I can draw cards. Your opponent then drops Gaiacomo. It's not looking good for you, dude. It's not looking good for you, dude. I don't know. I mean, like, I do definitely think Mew still ends up being a good deck, even with Klefki, even with Spiritomb, even with Gaiacomo, even with Drapion. I think Mew Mm. still ends up being a good deck, but, like, man, dude, they're... I think they're doing a better job of trying to kill this off than they have any other archetype in the past. I gotta be honest. Yeah. We'll have to see. Yeah, definitely. We'll have to wait and see. Alright, so... Rounded up the last of the Pokemon that we're gonna go over tonight. We have Noivern EX. So... For the first attack here, two colorless energy. We have Covert Flight, 70 damage. During your opponent's next turn, prevent all damage done to this Pokemon by attacks for basic Pokemon. Uh, not a bad ability, I guess. Not a bad attack. Damage is really low. Lost uh, Zone and Regibox's worst nightmare. Yeah, what I was about to say, but, uh... You're getting that off, and your opponent's tech <laughs> relies on a whole bunch of basic attackers. There's really nothing they can do. That's kind of pretty sick. For second attack here, for one Psychic and one Dragon Energy, we have uh, Dominant Echo for 140 damage during your opponent's next turn. They can't play any special energy or stadium, stadium cards from their hand. This is a... Uh, this Pokemon's like <laughs> just control the Pokemon. This is just Omega Disruption, and I love yeah. it. I think this is my favorite EX from the set. I gotta be honest, because you know I, I I really enjoy playing the Disruption cards or the things that like give opponents headaches. Like I mean, people yeah. people that listen to the podcast know that I love flying Pikachu, right? So yeah, this is this is basically just flying Pikachu 2.0. It's a stage one, 260 HP, free retreat immune to basics, and can stop you from playing special energy or stadiums, this Mm. card can lock out quite a few decks, and it's pretty cool. I don't think it's anything, like, super crazy, because then you start to think, like, okay, how does it deal with Giratina? How does it deal with Gudra? How does it deal with Gardevoir? And you're like, oh, uh, it, it doesn't do that? It doesn't do those things? But... You know, you play it against Mew, for example, and you get that powered up... Su- like, you know, If you try to get it powered up super quick, you know, attach Psychic, attach Dark, and, you know, you're off to the races. Yeah. You know, especially if it's something like Double Turbo Mew, you can go, cool, uh, Fan away is the Double Turbo you attached earlier, put Path into play, Dominant Echo. You deal 140 damage, they can't bump the Path, and they can't attach Special Energy. Mm-hmm. Again, a little bit of Mew hate there for you, but... <laughs> uh you got it. Sometimes you gotta. And the interesting thing about this is that, like, these chaos wheel type effects that they usually put on these attacks, are, they generally counterbalance it by having, like, low damage. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Shadow Rider V has the same thing, only does 10 damage. Whimsicott V Star had the same thing, didn't really do a lot of damage. It was, like, what, 140, I think? So it was kind of on par, I guess. But 
you know, 140 right now is not terrible, right? Like, it's kind of going to struggle against some EX Pokemon. That's like a three-shot against basically all the Stage 2 EXs, which ironically are all the EX Pokemon that don't care about this. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. The, the numbers are a bit eh, but... The disruption factor is just insane. For the right, like in the right format, this thing is just a menace. So, mm-hmm. and it's already like seen quite a bit of play in Japan, mostly in the form of a like Regidrago V Star attacker. Like you just put it in the deck, discard it, and then use the attack via Regidrago V Star. Um, that's kind of the way it's seen the most amount of play, which is very good, obviously, because that gives you access to. Irid Rollout from Gudra that gives you access to Lost Impact from Giratina V-Star. Uh, it gives you access to G-Max Pulverization from Duraludon. Like, you know, I, I think this card really... This card and Fortress EX, I think, really put Regidrago V-Star, like, on the map. We'll have to wait mm-hmm. and see, but it so far, early, early format in Japan, it, it seems promising. Yeah, we'll definitely have to keep our eye on it. Yeah, for sure. But that is going to cover it for the Snow Hazard and Clay Burst translations. Again, we didn't hit every card in the set, so we'll leave a link to the rest of the translations in the episode description. But those are the most important ones, the ones that we felt uh, were the ones that you needed to know. So that being said, let us know what you think of uh, the new set. Let us know what you think. Uh, Hit us up on Twitter at DamageCounter, DamageCounterPodcast at gmail.com if you prefer email. And of course, you can always hit us up in our community Discord as well. We're always in there talking about cardboard. You know, we like to talk about Pokemon cards. We love to keep the conversation going with everybody in the Discord. So definitely check that out. Link is in the episode description. And with that said, Josh, that is another episode in the bag. In the bag. I want to thank everybody for uh, joining us and listening on uh, today's episode. Uh, you know, like I said, you can hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up on an email, and if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Audible, we do very much appreciate five-star reviews. Any five-star reviews left on those platforms do get read out here on the show, so definitely hit us up with your five-star reviews and ratings. That helps us become uh, more easily or more easy to find on these podcasting platforms. Puts our name up a little higher on the list when people search for Pokemon TCG Podcast. So, if you like the episode, please do that for us. It'd be the world. Um, and uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at EmmerDCP, E-M-E-R-D-C-P, as in Damage Counter Podcast. And you can find me at Smiling underscore Anarchy. And of course, don't forget to also check out our YouTube channel, Damage Counter Podcast, on YouTube.com. Got some content lined up for you there. Uh, with that being said, I think that's going to do it for us here. So thanks for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode. <laughs>